Hey everybody, what's up? How you doing? Uh, comedy dates I got coming up July 8th. I am at the Ka Theater at the MGM with the great Joey Diaz. That's in Vegas. And that's the night before UFC 200, which is July 9th. And that's it for comedy dates I got coming up. Um, as far as stuff that's available, Ruby Receptionists. This is one of my sponsors. Check this out. If you got a small business and um, you don't have like a receptionist, you want your customers to have uh, a professional experience, do you not? Hmm? Hmm? And uh, in order to truly wow your callers, this is their words, with the best service possible, that's all, it's in bold, the best service possible. How do you think you're supposed to say that? Like that? The best service possible. You've got to check out Ruby Receptionist. It's virtual receptionist service with a five-star Yelp rating whose dedicated staff has been handpicked for their outstanding people skills. That's in italics. I wonder what the difference between italics and bold. What's the message? What are they trying to say? What they're trying to say is they've hired people to answer your phones for you. And people that are very professional, they do a great job. And Ruby's advanced calling system ensures that your receptionist knows the details about your callers before answering. I don't know how they do that. I guess you have to fill out some shit. How's that work? Uh, they'll think your receptionist is right there in the office instead of at Ruby's state-of-the-art facilities in Portland, Oregon. It's like having a model full-time employee for a fraction of the cost. It's an excellent service if you're someone who is uh, starting a business or you have a small business and you uh, you don't want to actually hire a reception. Um, and there's only one way to guarantee your callers a five-star experience. That's with Ruby. Ruby Receptionist. So hurry to callruby.com slash Rogan. That's C-A-L-L-R-U-B-Y dot com slash Rogan. To get free activization. Activation. Free activation. Activization is not a word, Jamie. Did you know that? Free activation, a $90 value. That's callruby.com forward slash Rogan. Callruby.com forward slash Rogan. Well, we're also brought to you by Drive with Uber. Everybody knows what Uber is, right? Uber is a smartphone app. It's on your phone. You uh, can get a car to come and get you anytime you want. But... You could drive with Uber, and driving with Uber is an awesome way for people to make money on the side because you do it on your schedule, and you do it anytime you want. It's totally flexible. You don't have to quit your day job to make more money. You just, whenever you need money, turn on the app and drive. A few hours here, a few hours there, it adds up, and it's easy to get started. You go to drivewithuber.com, sign up for free. You do it right now on your phone, answer a few basic questions about you and your car, and then get approved. Then start driving. That's all there is to it. Easy. Easy, you fucks. Start enjoying the flexibility of working when you want and earning extra money on your schedule. Sign up to Drive with Uber today. Go to drivewithuber.com. That's drivewithuber.com. We're also brought to you each and every episode by Onnit.com. I almost can't talk anymore. What is it about? It's almost like when I get done with podcasts, my brain's like, you're done talking, dude. Stop talking so clear. Because I'm not really, I mean, I, I struggle to talk clear. Onnit. Onnit helps me talk clear. Fucking alpha brain. If it wasn't for that shit, you think I'm stupid now? Let me tell you something, folks. I'd be a, a babbling moron with a shit memory. Um... Not entirely true, but it definitely helps my memory. 
Um, and it's been proven. If you go to onnit.com and read up about Alpha Brain, it'll explain to you um, the double-blind placebo-controlled studies that we put on, two of them, two randomized clinical trials showing improvement in verbal memory, processing speed, and uh, your peak alpha flow state. Um, way too complicated to explain uh, all the details behind it and what it is, but there's all the information is available at onnit.com. Uh, nootropics are legit. It's not snake oil. And again, like I said, there's two different studies that we did at the Boston Center for Memory. But on top of that, just nootropics in general, there's plenty of data, actual real information about them. They are the building blocks of human neurotransmitters. It's nutrition that it enhances your memory. And uh, it's just one of the many, 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 many products that we sell it on it. But what on is dedicated to is essentially what Alpha Brain was started about. What, what the, the, the idea behind Alpha Brain initially was to create something that optimizes the way your mind works. When, what on it in general is about optimizing human performance. Human performance, whether it's even emotionally. I mean, we have uh, New Mood, and New Mood is uh, all about building serotonin. It's all about 5-HTP and L-tryptophan, which converts to 5-HTP in your body, and uh, that is the human building blocks for serotonin. It helps your body feel happier. Um, training equipment, strength and conditioning equipment like kettlebells. If you've listened to this podcast, you know I'm a huge proponent of kettlebells. I believe in what what's called functional strength exercises, things like cleans and presses and deadlifts and squats and uh, things that help your body move as an individual unit. And uh, I, I'm particularly fond of them with kettlebells because I think that they're awkward. Um, I think doing things like Turkish get-ups and clean press squats and stuff like that just give you massive functional strength that you can apply to athletics, that you can apply to just picking stuff up and moving around. And it also just makes your body stronger and work better. Lots of shit for sale at Onnit. Go there. Go check it out. Use the code word ROGAN and you'll save 10% off any and all supplements. There's also an Onnit Academy. There's a link on the uh, the website which is filled with uh, cool articles on uh, exercise physiology, motivation, uh, nutrition, all sorts of things like that. But there's an actual Onnit Academy which is in Austin, Texas. Amazing gym, state-of-the-art facility with uh, great fitness training and also now 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. Onnit.com. Use the code word ROGAN. Save 10% off any and all supplements. Done. The fucking ads take too long. I know. I know. They're done, though. They're done. They're done. It's over. And I don't interrupt the podcast. The podcast today is with Steve Hofstetter. Steve Hofstetter is a stand-up comedian. He's been doing stand-up for 14 years. Very funny guy. And you might have heard about him because there was a viral video that was out just about, I think, six or seven weeks ago. He uh, had a heckler, which does happen. And uh, he just, this, this heckler fucked up. Just, he led this lady down a dark road, punished her. And... Um, and it's online, and because of it, it's got millions of hits, and Steve's career has taken off now. Very funny, very smart, very interesting guy, and I really enjoyed talking to him. So, uh, please welcome Steve Hofstetter. Joe Rogan Podcast, check it out. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. We're live, we're live. You can't talk about Tinder, dude. I'm Sh- kidding. Shut it off. Don't swipe right. Steve Hofstetter, ladies and gentlemen. How, How are, are you? Um, that was at the same time. 
Uh, I'm good. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you, man. I, I love the video. There's a video I found out about Steve because there's a video of some fucking hecklers. Why do they still exist? Do you, people out there, do you not know that when you come to a comedy show, it's like going to the movies? You ego, shouldn't try to change the content. Ego and alcohol. You're right. That's, that's the answer. I asked a rhetorical question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a definitive answer. It's a, it's a fucking great video, though, because you handled it so well. Thank uh, you. I don't even remember the subject. What was uh, what was she uh, heckling about? Uh, it was about, I was talking about how parents think they're special oh, and they're that's not. Right. That's right. And then she yelled out bullshit. And then walked into two minutes of material that I already had written about the subject. <laughs> if I had written what she was supposed to say, it wouldn't have been as good as what she actually said. Yeah, it was like a setup. And sometimes th those things happen and people accuse people of p doing plants. I've never heard of anybody actually doing a plant, though. Have you? Other than Andy Kaufman, no. Like, not even, no. not one time. But people, sometimes people look at the world and they go, well, this is too good. It can't be real. <laughs> it's like, well, al allow for some magic to happen sometimes. A little comedy magic. Yeah. I mean, there's so many videos of hecklers. You would think that they would learn. Like, is there yeah. ever a video of a heckler winning? Uh, I mean, there, there are definitely videos of people who are like, I own this heckler. And then you're like, nah, not, did you? Did you? Looks kind of... No, not really. Sometimes, yeah. But that's not the heckler winning. That's the comedian losing. Right. There's there's a difference, you know. And there are um, there are times, I think, when, you know, com there are comedians, you know this, there are comedians who can't ad-lib, who yes. are brilliant at material, but are just not ad-libbers. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Like, the people that only want to do, like, monologues, and if anything goes off the line, like, they ignore it, and they just keep going, and they hope yeah. that the, someone takes care of it. Well, I don't, I don't understand that. Like that, that's part of people. Sometimes will be like, "Why do you have so many heckler videos?" It's like because most of them start with me going, "What'd you say?" Yeah. Because I don't, <laughs> I don't let it go because I don't want to lose control of the crowd. I don't want right. other people to be like, "Oh well, he talked. I can talk." And also, I, you know, I just, I can't concentrate on this, you know, bit I've done a thousand times. If in the back of my head, I was like, "Wait, what's happening right now in the back of the room?" Yeah. Well, sometimes people just start commenting. Like, they'll, like, be right in front of you, mm -hmm. too, which is crazy. Like, in the front row, going, no, that's not true. No, you can't say that. Don't say that. Or uh, e uh. or they even go, yes, that's true. Like, even when yeah. they agree with you, it still sucks. <laughs> but what about, mm? Yeah. And they want to put their own spin on it, like it's a conversation. Yeah, it's confusing. So, sometimes, like, I, I try to tell people, I'm just like, look, comedy's evocative. You're going to have a lot of thoughts, and that's okay. Have the thoughts. Yeah. Hold on to those thoughts. Yeah. Later, after the show, release the thoughts into the wild. But for now, yeah. it's okay to think of stuff. And even if you see me out in the lobby, and you want to yeah. have, a, you got a question about some of the material... Let's talk. Yeah. That's a time to talk. Absolutely. <laughs> not not while you're halfway into the setup. Yeah. It is, it's such, I mean, part of why I say it's ego is because if there's hundreds of people at this show and they're all quiet and then one person thinks they're all doing it wrong. Yeah. Like they're just sitting there and be like, wait, no, all these people are wrong. They, we should be interacting. I need to show them. It is kind of funny that alcohol is what they serve at comedy clubs. Because for, I guess for most people, it's a good thing. For most people, alcohol is a social yeah. lubricant. It relaxes you. You start laughing a little bit more. But for some people, the fucking, the wheels come off and they just want to chime in and yell out. Well, if you're an asshole, alcohol just makes you more of an asshole. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, I've had this theory for a long time that a lot of people will blame being drunk. Oh, I was so wasted. It's like, yeah. But that's you. 
you were still in there. Yeah. There, there isn't some magical, like, you know, Jekyll and Hyde thing that's going on. You peed on someone's truck because you wanted to pee on someone's truck. Right. Alcohol just gave you the excuse. There are people that are alcoholics, though, where a switch goes off. Do you know anybody like that? Um, I, I don't. You know what? But I can introduce you to a few Fair. People. I was like, I have a feeling. I know who some of the people you hang with. Uh, I guess I don't hang out the store enough. That's, the store is the grand old Opry for hecklers. Yeah. I mean, it really is. There's, there's something about that place because there's no real doorman. Everybody's yeah. a comic. It's comics working the gate or comics working the door, comics working the cover booth, comics working the, the room. It's only comics. Comics work in the back parking lot. It's all comedians. So when you're there, you're you're under the hands of people who really don't want to be doing what they're doing. They don't really pay attention. So you have to learn how to deal with hecklers. Yeah. Plus, it's a hangout. So that place is – there's people packed in that place from 8 p.m. till 2 a.m. And everybody's hanging around drinking. And so there's a lot of alcoholics. And yeah. so you just get used to those dudes that have shark eyes. Their their eyes glass over and they're gone. You look in there, you're like, oh, Bobby's not here anymore. Yeah. There's no Bobby. <laughs> it's just, I, I didn't meet people like that until I was like 30. When I, when I was 30, I started to meet like real alcoholics where they'd have one drink and then they were gone. They're just off to the races. But do you think, so do you think that they are a completely different person or do you think that the alcohol just allows who they are to come out? Completely speculative. Because I don't have that gene, whatever that wacky gene is, yeah. where you have a couple of drinks and you just go off the rails. I don't have that. I'm a happy drunk. Like when I get drunk, I like to laugh and hug people. I don't, I don't understand the... Go blank, make a Molotov cocktail, throw it at the cops, wake up in jail. What the fuck? What happened? The I did what? The weirdest drunk to me is the is the crying drunk. Like oh. the drunk that gets super upset because then it's like why would you why oh. would you give yourself the ingredient that you need to cry in the corner? Right. Like if you know yeah. if it's the first time it ever happened, I get it, okay? But if you're someone like I have a friend who every time he gets drunk, he gets like super sad. And I was like, stop <laughs> drinking. Like, why are you drinking if you're this upset? I feel like with people like that, there's like patterns that are deeply carved into their, their psyche from childhood. Yeah. Like maybe their mom cried a lot or their dad cried a lot and they got used to it and it became a comforting pattern. Oof. But yeah, those things are, I mean, people say, oh, what are you going to do, man? The guy's sad. Well, how the fuck did he get sad? Yeah. He's lived in America. <laughs> he's got two feet. He doesn't have cancer. The fuck is he whining about? There could be a hundred things wrong. You're a young white person in America. We shut up. I, I actually don't drink anymore. I've been sober 12 years. Damn. And it was because it was really my first year on the road when I realized like how much of a problem it could be. Oh, if so you, you did it wrong. So you did it as a preventative measure. I did it. Yeah, it was something where I didn't go through a program, and I found, by the way, that like people who have gone through the program are like, "You're not really, you're not really sober." That's hilarious. And, <laughs> and to me, I'm just like, "You needed a program. You have no willpower." You yeah. know, so it's a bit of a dichotomy but there. The but the idea that someone could tell you after 12 years yeah. of sobriety that you're not really this isn't even consistent. Yeah, you don't. You just choose not to drink, and <laughs> like, yeah, I do choose not to drink. That's but it's hilarious. Yeah, I haven't had a drink in 12 years. It was uh, it was one of these things where I mean, you know, this it's free on the road. Mm -hmm. You know, and everybody wants, everybody goes, oh, let me take a shot with you afterward. And you'd be right. like, there are 30 of you. I'm going to die. Right. You just do the math on that. And you're like, I'm going to die. And I started realizing, you know what? I don't have inhibition that alcohol changes. Like that same year, 
I had done I'd done some show in Bloomington, Indiana, and we went to a bar afterward, and there were a bunch of hot girls dancing on the bar, and I went up and I danced on the bar with them, and I wasn't drunk. I just wanted to dance with the hot girls, and there are all these like there are all these drunk people, you know, below the bar, like all these loser guys, just kind of like nursing their beer and looking up, and be like, "I wish I could do that," and be like, "Well, then get the fuck up on the bar. Why, if you want to do it, do it." Can anybody just dance on a bar? Because that makes me reconsider all the times I've like touched the bar and then touched food and then like, oh yeah, they, put yeah. my phone up there and touched that and then touched food. And- my the bottom of my shoes are not clean, Joe. Nobody's shoes are clean. <laughs> How are you just allowed to? Is that that's got to violate health codes, right? It was. Uh, I just figure there were enough hot girls that it was okay that I was there too. Well, that's a good call. Like the ratio has to be. There have to be still be enough hot girls. Now, did you hook up with one of those girls afterwards? Uh, oh no, I, I was a pathetic, sad loser. But the point is that <laughs> that I, I didn't need the alcohol to at least start the process of getting rejected. That's you. You have a, yeah. that's you have the unique personality trait that allows you to get crazy and dance on bars. Yeah. That, that is a strange thing, though, about the people that are in those 12-step programs, because they really do get super attached to the idea that that's the only way to be sober. Yeah. And it's not... It, it is a way. And if you need that, okay. Yeah. More power to you. And I, I, you know, I do not... I, I, I don't want to take that away from anybody. But we're all different. And right. ev- everybody's, you know, nerve endings connect differently, whatever the hell the biology is of it. And I didn't need a program, especially because I would freak out if they were like, and this is about Jesus. And I would be like, go fuck yourself, give me a beer. So, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to be comfortable there. Did you, did you um, ever do a program thing? Did you, like, go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting or did you just stop? No, I had a... Uh, so, so I had, there were a couple times where I was like, all right, I need to, I need to quit. I need to quit. And that never works. And then there was one night where, so it's, it's the first real time I'm on the road. I was terrible with women in high school and college. And then suddenly I hit the road as a comic and they're everywhere and they're interested and life is different. And so there was a show, I was doing a show for a sorority and usually the sororities that sponsor comedy shows are like the philanthropy sorority and they're all terrible. Uh, no, these girls were all hot, just just dimes. The whole chapter just full. They had like one ugly friend as as the charity, but they had just gorgeous girls. And my opener goes up and bombs, and then I go up to a standing room only crowd and crush. And so now it's afterward. We're hanging out. There's like this after party thing that they put together for just them and the two of us. One of which they hated because he bombed. And, like, there are just these eight hot girls surrounding me. One shouldered another one out of the way to sit next to me. I was like, this is, this is, like, nothing I've ever experienced. And then they took us to another party, and I'm pretty sure someone put something in my drink. Not in the way of, like, I want to fuck this guy. In the way of, like, this is a guy getting all the attention away from the other guys. And I think one of the other guys fucked with my drink. Really? Yeah. Because I got super violently ill very quickly. Like, very, very quickly. And... I spent the whole night, I was supposed to stay at the sorority house. Like, I, the plan was I was going to stay in the guest room, so I didn't even have to do the whole excuse of like, hey, can I use your bathroom? Can I come in for, like, I just, I was supposed to go back there with them, and I spent the entire night just, just vomiting. It was terrible. Wow, and somebody I, yeah. spiked your drink. And then I lost a gig the next day, and at the time, it's my first year on the road, I lost a $1,500 gig the next day. Because you were so sick? I, I couldn't do it. I was... We were driving, it was the middle of winter, but I was wearing like two pairs of pants, like two sweatshirts, and in a sleeping bag in the car with the heat on full blast, and I was shivering the whole way. Like, I was fucked up. Wow. It was bad. So Are I you don't... sure you didn't have like the flu or something? That sounds like the <laughs> flu. It, it went away like six hours later, so 
It could have been it could have been a a very temporary flu, a well timed flu. I don't know, but that was the night where I was just like, I can't keep doing this. Have you ever heard of a drug that does that? Like a drug that makes you get have the chills? I mean, maybe they're probably I mean, out there. I might just be wussy. <clears throat> Like no, it doesn't sound like it. That sounds like you got something happened. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I it was just very, very bad, and so uh, I realized that it was. It was not only a chance at like a three. It was a chance at like a ninesome. <laughs> so you're like, all right, I got. Yeah. I was like, I can't. No more drinking. Yeah, none of that. Wow, that's a that's a wake up call. Yeah, that's a wake up call. <laughs> <laughs> the world hands you four aces and you just throw up on them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a hand of call. Yeah. That you ever heard of the term dry drunk? No, what's that? Dry drunk is what uh people like to say people who are alcoholics who aren't drinking but aren't in a program are. They're dry drunks. And so you still have all the mental issues that a drunk has and you're just waiting to go off. You don't really have the stability that a twelve-step program provides. Oh, that sounds that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for some people, for sure. But a twelve-step program is weird because doesn't it require belief in a higher power? It does. They you know, there's a lot of God stuff in there. Yeah, and like I believe that there's something, but that something could be a life force. It could be an energy. I don't know what. But, I believe it's very possible there's something. Yeah, I don't I don't believe that there's a I don't believe that there's a, a bearded man and wings and all that bullshit. It'd be dope if there was though. Yeah, Imagine wouldn't that it? if you got up to heaven and you realized that it was all true. And you're like, That'd what? be amazing. That's so crazy. I How thought this was possible? just a marketing thing. Yeah, I had no I mean, idea. Is... I just listened to uh Radio Lab uh, the other day about addiction and they said that ninety five or sorry, I'm gonna start that over. Of a hundred people if they started at a AA on January first as of December 31st of that year, only five would still be in the program. Basically saying like it doesn't work, but there's a lot of factors that could be uh, uh, that could mean that or why that could happen because some people could start a different program. They could go to the, the meeting next door. But they're saying like only 5% of people will stay in the program through a year through some certain statistics. That's a shit retention rate. Yeah. It's really huh. bad. But that, was, uh, that, that radio lab goes into this uh, pill that can uh, cure addiction, I think. Well, they've had Ibogaine forever. Ibogaine is a, I don't know that. It's a drug that uh, it's from the aboga plant, and it's supposed to be fantastic for people that have heroin addiction, alcohol addiction, even addictive personality disorders, gambling problems, things along those lines. It's supposed to be this ruthlessly introspective psychedelic experience that brutally breaks down um, your pathways, uh, your thinking pathways, and, and shows you why you keep going into this self-sabotage mode. And it's apparently unbelievably uncomfortable to go through. Psychologically, physically, it's not, it doesn't feel good. But when it's over, the, the rate of retention, of re the retention of sobriety, the rate of uh, sobriety that people retain afterwards is staggering. It's like in the 80s, the high 80%. It's better Ru than anything. Ruthlessly introspective. It sounds like the, a great name of a comedy album. <laughs> it does, like right? The, yeah. The, there's, a, there's a treatment center on the 101. Like Because I passed by and it, like, it looked like a college campus almost. And I was like, what the hell is that? And I looked it up. And there's like a, it's like a treatment center, like an inpatient, and you like cut out everyone in your life kind of thing. <laughs> it's one cult. of those, it's one of those like, yeah, it's one of those like, you know, you're not allowed to talk to people for six months. But when I looked it up, I found it on Google and there were reviews. And one of the reviews was of someone who was about to go into the treatment center and he gave it one star. 
like he was reviewing his own life like he was that messed up but he like reviewed he's like well i'm about to take the the journey <laughs> the first step of the journey of sobriety and it was one star and i was like Why i one think star? i think you may have misunderstood how this rating system works buddy you might be a dick yeah <laughs> how can you give something one star if you haven't even tried it i love when you ever just read <laughs> yelp reviews yeah Dude, i do unfortunately I love I get mad at myself. I no, but I love when you learn more about the person than the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Like there was one I saw in New York where uh this girl like she opens the review, like so i I'm back dating again. I'm like, that's not tell me how the pasta is. Yeah. Like I don't I don't need to know but she like uses it her as her own blog. It was that's fascinating. That's good though, because then you get to know should I listen to this moron? Let me let me yeah. see what they have to say about dating. <laughs> Why is it that men these days don't want to open up a car door, don't want yeah. to open up a door for a lady, get upset when you're expected to pay and don't understand that you do want your own career? Like, and as oh, it turns out, the gnocchi was fantastic. Yeah, You're just annoying. Yeah. There's um, a lot of those. I always go to someone's bad review. I always go to their page and see what they think about other stuff. Yeah, just so, so you can find. figure out. It's also tough, like using Yelp sometimes in the middle of nowhere. That's really tough because then you're like, these motherfuckers don't know sushi. <laughs> like, what do, they, what do they know? Sushi in South Dakota. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Be like, Where you, you know getting what? your I, fish, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, Yelp is tricky because it's it's like YouTube reviews and a lot of other things. You're relying on random people. You know, yeah. like like if I call you up and I go, hey, Steve, what do you think about this? Well, I know Steve's an intelligent guy. He's going to give me a really nuanced, thought out opinion of whatever we're discussing. But if you don't know a person, you're just reading their type, their type could be, I mean, when they write, write things down, their, the printed word could be just as valid as some fucking psychopath's printed word. Yeah. I mean, you, don't, you really don't know. You, you got to go deep, deep, deep into their, their paragraphs, and you got to really try to decipher, like, how fucking nuts is this person? I have, a theory, I have a theory that the way we make online tolerable... The way we make, like, you know, online not be this, you know, just, I guess, bastion for angry thought is everyone's, not name, but everyone's job should be in parentheses. So mm. we know what people do for a living. That would help in, like, how many stars your coworkers give you. Yeah. <laughs> you should like get your you own get Yelp yelped. review. You get Yelped before you're allowed to Yelp. You know, that guy with one star, I bet he gives out a half a star. I bet all the people that work with him, they give him a half a star, and he puts one star in for the, the drug review place, and there, there, one star for his mom. You fucked up, mom. There was an app that came out that was like a Yelp for people, and everyone got really upset. Well, it was a Yelp for dating. It was, oh, so it wasn't yeah. just, okay, because... It was people you've dated. Because I thought, I thought the idea, because there was, you know, the reviews of people and people getting upset, and I was like, the only people would get upset at that are the people who know they're going to get two stars well it's people can just stalk you as someone who's like a shitty co-worker who ah, that's like, true. has it against you can write a bunch of mean shit about you and then every time you pull up your name you see this mean shit written against you yeah you need to i think for the way that to work for the way for that to work is you can only review someone if you both agree to review each other i was reading this thing about this guy who's getting uh stalked online by this other guy and uh, they uh, found the person, and it was a 17-year-old kid that was the son of one of his friends and had no real beef with him, but it was just doing it for sport. 
just for the fun of it, just because he knew he could fuck with the guy and scare him. And he did all this Holocaust Jew stuff and all this anti-Semitic stuff. Jeez. Really, really crazy stuff, like sent ashes to their house and left ashes at their front door. Like uh, Just a total psychopath. To, to, a kid, a 17-year-old kid. And it apparently had haunted this guy for a long time, and he was trying to figure out who it was. Then he hired someone. It's pretty easy to find people once you hire yeah. someone who's an expert. They found the kid like instantly, and they realized it was this fucking high school kid that was the son of one of his friends and that they all had a sit down and he they printed up all the stuff that this kid had written for like a fucking year and handed it to him and the kid started crying and i don't know why i did it and i got addicted to it i couldn't stop and like addicted to it well like now you're you're playing a game yeah you know and if you're not there when the person is reacting especially when you're 17 and your emotions, maybe they're not so complex, or they're not so rather formed. They're not. They're not mature. Yeah. You know. You know. Maybe completely aware that every action has a reaction on the other end, whether you see it or not. There's a. Uh, you know that movie, the the button or whatever it was, where like someone would like press a button and someone would die in the world. I heard about that. Yeah, I never was, saw it. I, I didn't either, but there was. I think it was an SNL sketch about it where they were like they explained the whole premise or like you press this button and somewhere someone in the world die and the guy just hits the button <laughs> and they're like well, you didn't let us finish like we would give you a million dollars and he just hits it again <laughs> because we're we're that like inhuman and impersonal right. like if you just tell me that someone somewhere else in the world died like that doesn't really affect you yeah there's too many people anyway yeah hit the button let's clear off the 405 yeah i guess it just depends on who yeah i said if you don't feel it, it's like, that's the problem with drones, right? Yeah. I mean, they say that drone pilots, what is this? Oh, huh? is that the... the they say that uh, drone pilots suffer through a lot of, like, severe anxiety when they're done. And, like, it's apparently incredibly psychologically stressful because you're doing this weird thing where you're sort of sending this robot, and they're doing it from Nevada, Right. Yeah. And so the robots are in Afghanistan or Pakistan or Yemen or wherever the hell they are. And they're launching missiles from these sky robots. And it just feels so detached and creepy to the people that are doing it. Well, it's the same, I guess, the same psychology of like why you're able to get into such credit card debt, but you wouldn't do that with cash. Because mm. like you were you you see it as just some mythical thing. Right. And then afterward, you realize, oh, this is real. Like, well, would you would you be able to would you be able to kill someone if you knew that they were like a bad guy? Yeah. And would you feel bad about it? No. That's what I think too. Yeah, I don't think I would. I mean, if some like Hitler character, yeah, I don't think it doesn't, I'd have a doesn't problem. necessarily have to be you know murderer, quite that bad. Some rapist. I mean, you really went to the end of the scale immediately. Yeah, that's how I like to go. I'm an <laughs> I was, extremist. <laughs> I was yeah, I was going for like no, just the idea of like someone is gonna kill someone that you care about yeah and you kill that person yeah because there are all these like th- there's this trope in movies and tv about you know like a cop shot someone that they had to shoot in the line of duty it wasn't you know like just killing some kid it was you know shooting a bad guy and then they have to go to therapy over it mm, i feel no. like yeah no have you ever talked to uh soldiers about that i haven't the real PTSD with soldiers is things they can't control. That's what really fucks with them. Like worried about being attacked, worried about being blown up, worried about driving over an IED. The soldiers that are proactive, like Rangers, Navy SEALs, guys who go in and hunt people down, 
they don't have that much PSD, PTSD. They're, they're, yeah. they're different types of people. I mean, some of them have just been through crazy firefights and they wake up with horrible nightmares. But a shocking amount of them realize they're doing the right thing. They have to do this. This needs to be done. And they're the man to do it. Yeah. And they're trained for it. This is their job. And they're all together. And they're like a family. It's, it's, and they feel more superhero-esque. Yeah. So when you see like a guy, a cop in a movie that feels bad that he had to shoot a bad guy, that's like the writer. That's the writer if the writer was a cop. Yeah. You know, or maybe a cop that maybe shouldn't be a cop, which there's definitely some of those out there. Or a writer who shouldn't be a writer. Or right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, those movies, like, so, how many of these movies have, like, these, like, we're talking about the grooves that are carved in that uh, some people have that get depressed very easily or uh, behave really, like, uh, really uh, sad really easily. Like, th- those, co- those grooves... Those psychic grooves that they think that they're supposed to behave like that, those are carved into tropes and storylines and plots. And there's so many plots. There's so many movies you watch like, you didn't even write this, okay? You knew what has already been written about these subjects and you just sort of repeated it with different words. Yeah. Like, this isn't really a story you wrote because this story has happened a fucking million times in movies. Well, and it causes those stories existing then cause people to act like that. Yes. Like one oh of, yeah. One of the most fascinating interviews I ever saw was, you know, they interviewed the guy who was, you know, all the gangster movies in the 40s that say, huh? Say, like all that. <laughs> yeah. And they said, "How did you get the accent so perfect?" And he said, "I made that accent up." And then all the gangsters wanted to be like the gangsters in the movies. And so then all the gangsters started talking like that. Because of that, because of those movies. Like James Cagney? Yeah. Wow. Like that was, they just told the act, like they just started doing it. Life imitates art, right? Yeah. And then it's, you know, it's, uh, and then people feel like, oh, well, this is normal because that's what we're shown on television. Well, that was the argument against gangster rap. That the argument was that they were forcing kids by, you know, making this music really popular. They're forcing kids to accept this type of behavior as being normal and even exemplary, like exemplary of a bad motherfucker. You're shooting people. And you ever go back and like listen to like the old NWA? Oh, yeah. I actually grew up. So I grew up in Queens, New York, and I was a big fan of old school hip hop. Now, I didn't like I, I was never big into the NWA stuff. I preferred, you know, the I preferred the lyrics about how great we are at rapping, not how many bitches we've killed. Like that was the that's kind of the line in the sand. Who, but, who are your people? Who'd you like? Uh, Tribe Called Quest. Okay, I was so yeah. sad when Fife died. Yeah, um, that yeah. sucked. Tribe. Those guys are awesome. Uh, Black Sheep. Um, uh, I loved uh, Pete Rock and Seal Smooth. Uh, were you a De La Soul guy too? Yeah, yeah. De La Soul's great. I got to <laughs> when I was twenty one. I think I covered. I I was uh, in college during the Seinfeld send off party. And the place where, uh, like, the Tom's Diner, where Monks was based, the exterior shot, was like a block off my campus. So I made up a fake press pass, and I went and I covered the party. And I got to meet Del Sol was there, and it was wow. like, it was so great. That's nice. Yeah. You know it was a sad time for me, man? When MC Search got his own daytime talk show. Oh, my God. Third base. I used to love third the, base. the end of... Pop goes the weasel because the oh. weasel goes pop. Mr. Gressel, my <laughs> eye. Someone hit my eye. But if you watch the MC Search uh, daytime talk show, you like, this can't be real. He's punking us. Yeah, this, this is a character he's playing. He's doing that Joaquin Phoenix thing that Joaquin Phoenix did for a year. 
It's that it's that same sort of thing when all of a sudden all the adults were talking about the Facebook, and I'm like, well, Facebook's done now. Right. You know, this isn't this isn't going to be fun anymore. It's, well, MC yeah. Search is done because he had the most preposterous daytime talk show. Did you ever watch it? I know I knew about it, but I never watched oh. it. Oh, it was look at Search. Ah! And, you know, I mean, he's like, uh, I'm a dad now. But it's like, play the beginning of it, because the beginning of the show, see if you can find it, because the beginning of it is so fucking preposterous when he explains how we're going to keep it real. We're keeping it real. Oh, there's no such thing as that. Like, when people say we're keeping it real, that means they're just, they have no other words that they can think of. It's madness. It's just, it's it's a dangerous way of talking. I was at a, uh, I, I did a bunch of extra work when I started out, and which, that's so much fun. That's, oh my God, extra work is the best because you get to see just the worst in humanity right in front of you. With um, extras? Oh, a lot yeah. of them are crazy. They're absolute, just batshit. And there open was this one woman. Too, right? Oh. Extras in between going back and forth from extra work to open mics? That, that was my, that was my day. <laughs> I would just go, I would just go just watch like just watch people desperately need attention and do nothing of quality to get it. So there's this one woman they put out the craft services and this one woman goes up and she loads up like two plates and then is putting stuff in her purse also. And I just she catches me looking at her and she just goes, "I'm just keeping it real." And I go, "Well, uh if you want to know what's real, they're going to refill this table later. So you can just come get seconds." If you don't have she probably to, like, wanted food to take home, though. Well, in the purse, I understand, but just yeah. the idea of it was just. But it was like the start of like a fourteen-hour day. And I was just keeping it real. I'm like, that's not keeping it real. Just say like, hey, I'm really poor and I'm hungry right now. Like, but right, hey, keeping stop it real, at me, dude. Yeah, th- also that. But you that know, could... it was something to stare at. It was very weird. That's a minor infraction. When you think about the, <laughs> in world the extra of world, extras and open micers in the paid furniture world. <clears throat> that's one of the keeping it real things about the comedy store. You're constantly around. Crazy people, open What's, micers especially, they're always hanging around, you know, because it's kind of like a hangout on what, top of being a club. What's the craziest open mic shit you've seen? Oh, God. I mean, open mics are madness. I mean, there's, because anybody can get on stage. And a lot of yeah. times, that's one of the things about stand-up is that a lot of people don't see themselves the way other people see them. Yeah. And that gets exposed when you get on stage because you realize, oh, this is how people see me. People see me as being an obnoxious, really annoying person that thinks they're funny. I see myself as being this really funny person. (laughs) And then they have to work that out over the – I mean, it's almost like a a, a self-improvement course on communication skills. Yeah. Because you're brutally reminded of how poor your communication skills are when you don't get the laughs. And you're like, God, what is wrong with my thoughts? Is it my thought? How come my friends think it's funny? Like, what is it but that I? That's only someone who knows what's going on, right? The crazy people are the ones that go, "This crowd doesn't get me. This crowd sucks. Yeah, this crowd's bullshit." I yeah. mean, how many times have I heard that? Just like every crowd I've ever played to, they all suck. None this of them understand bullshit, me, bro. But the worst thing that can happen to one of those people is some one day they'll just catch that magic wave, where you know there's this one crowd where almost anyone can do well. Yes. There's, there's these weird crowds that are just so good and so hyped up that someone with like really shitty skills can get up there and just make it happen. And then they chase the ghosts of that yeah. performance forever. Here's a great story that I've told before. Unfortunately, for people who've heard it, but Joey Diaz was <clears throat> the early days of the comedy show. There was one woman who was 
insane. I mean, completely insane. It just there, there was nothing remotely funny about anything she ever had to say. She was brutal. And she would go up, and every time she would go up, everybody would have to get out of the room. It was just like, what? What is happening here? How, is she, how does she even get spots? It was during the 90s um, when it was easier to get spots. And so Joey Diaz goes backstage behind the OR. There's a curtain. And he goes backstage and takes his pants off. And every time she hits a punchline, he opens up the curtain and shows the crowd his balls. <laughs> he's, he's got no pants on. So every time she hits the punchlines, he's doing this. And she's killing I mean, killing. And you see the confident look in her face. She has no idea what's going oh. on behind her. And the stride and her swagger. And she hits those same punchlines. And all of a sudden, Joey comes out with his balls. And everybody's crying, laughing. And she she never knew. She never knew. She had no idea. Did anyone, no one ever told her? I don't think so. If they did, she would have never believed it. Bullshit! I was killing! Yeah. <sighs> like, she I, was just insane. I tell, I tell young comics um, that... The, you don't you don't exist in the world how you see yourself. You exist in the world as the sum total of how everyone else sees you. That's that's who you yeah. are. Yeah, and that's true on stage also. You exist on that stage as the sum total of how the crowd sees you. Right. Your actions, your what you wear, how you stand, how you speak, those can all determine that. But your thoughts of how you want to be seen, the difference of how you see yourself and how everyone else sees you, that chasm is delusion. Yeah. And so the shorter that chasm. The more self-aware you're going to be, the funnier you can be. The bigger that chasm, the more likely you're going to flip a table on a reality show. <laughs> yes. Like, that's and a, that's the difference. That's a very good point. That's a very good, very good way of putting it. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that stand-up in a lot of ways is almost like a vehicle for introspective observation. Like you're, you're almost forced to examine yourself in a way that very few people do because people like – to put up blinders and that's why people like to drink you just kind of like push it all away yeah. and ignore all the faults and press on and when you're doing stand-up i mean you really you can't do that because bombing is so unbelievably brutally painful that you you go okay that can't happen again if you know you bomb though like i that's right yeah. so the when i was first living <laughs> out here uh, I would hang out at the, there were shows at Westwood Bruco all the time. I don't know if you ever did those Adam Hunter shows. No, no, but um, I know Adam very well. They were, uh, so I would hang out there all the time, and there was one night where a bunch of comics had done a show in Long Beach on the Queen Mary. And one by one, they were all getting to Westwood, and every one of them, man, that show was terrible. The Queen Mary's a boat, by the way, for. Yeah. Oh yeah, not an actual on a queen. Giant boat. <laughs> yeah, I guess if people yeah are unfamiliar, it'd be like they all performed on this one lady, and she's a queen. What's she a queen of? Well, it's on the. It's not even yeah. in, like in a bar called the Queen Mary. It's on the Queen Mary. What are they talking about? Yeah, they just standing on this lady named Mary. <laughs> and so one by one, they would all show up, and they'd be like, there were like twelve people there, and it was a nightmare. And everyone is talking about how shitty it was, and how everybody bombed, and the night was terrible. Then one comic gets there and doesn't know that everyone had already done that. And the first thing he does, yeah, I just got back from Long Beach, man. I crushed that. That was such a great show. Everybody was going nuts and just going on and on about how great it was. And the rest of us are just being like, oh, oh, you've never killed. Because if you think that that was killing, you've never killed. You've never had a good show if you don't understand what that feels like. Or you just lie and tell everybody all the time you have good shows. But it's terrible delusion. Yeah, well, they maybe just doesn't understand himself. Yeah. You know, I mean, how many guys have you met like that? That like are that around, around girls or around a job opportunity or around that's anything. true. They think that they're way more qualified for something than there are. 
Like, I'm going to go get this vice president job, bro. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to run. I mean, there's a lot of people who are just completely crazy. Yeah. Well, there's the, I, I like to tell people, you know, follow your dreams unless your dreams are stupid. Yeah. That's because good, good advice. If you, like, if you quit your job to work at America, like to audition for American Idol, and you've never, ever been paid to sing anywhere, you're a fucking idiot. Well, American Idol's a really good example. Because if you watch that show, the best part about that show is the beginning, where you're yeah. just watching mental illness. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what it, they should that's call the, it the mental, mental illness, illness hour slash uh, shreds of talent yeah you know because <laughs> american illness yeah for every one person that you get that gets through the entire th- like who's like the big name stars that have gone through american island kelly clarkson carrie underwood yep. those, those those two are huge yep. and there's the guy who went a little crazy the young country music gay guy Clay aiken yeah what happened to him uh, i was actually in his true hollywood story I'm glad you said true Hollywood story because if you said house yeah. the other night, no, I was and, just uh, he was the guy who got me violently ill. I, no. <laughs> Clay Aiken drugged me. I was uh, <clears throat> I was making fun of him to a producer on the show. Oh boy! Like she just told me that she was working on that show, right? And I I was just like, what? Are you? It was a friend of mine. I was like, what are you up to? Just telling me she's working on the show, and she goes, yeah, you know, we we're doing research on he, he used to be a choir boy, and I just go, oh, so he started out with hymns and never quite made it to hers. Ah! And then she, she just goes, you want to be on the show? I was like, what? So then I, that line you actually got cut by the lawyers. What? Yeah, I had, a, I had five oh, jokes that were in the God. script, and three of the five of them got cut by the lawyers. Fucking lawyers, man. Yeah. That's why lawyers, you can't have podcasts. No, you can't. You're not allowed, you fucks. Like a lawyer podcast? They can't come on them. They can't, you can't have a lawyer telling you what you can and can't say about podcasts. Yeah. You just, you're not allowed. Because this is, the, this is the last place. This is the last bastion of free speech. Yeah. And as far as, like, just expressing yourself in conversation, there's no... You, this is the only one left. They're easily tricked, though. I used, to be a, I used oh. to be a segment producer on a show, and we would always put in stuff we didn't want to use so that they could come in the room and be like, no, 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 you have to take that out, you have of to take course. that out, and then leave in the thing that we thought they would take out. Well, I'm sure you've seen the scene in Team America World Police yeah. where they, the sex scene between the two puppets, they made like 10 minutes longer than they wanted it to be, where he shits on her chest or she shits on his chest, they pee on each why other. Why not both? <laughs> they went nuts. And the reason why they did it was because they could cut some of it and it would still be preposterous, which it wound up being. Yeah. But that that's a common strategy. That we did that in the nineties with news radio. We had an episode of news radio where Phil Hartman said penis on the air, uh, on the radio show, and then it was through the episode he said penis like twenty times. And they uh, they were like, you can't say penis more than eight times. And they was like, eight times? Yeah, who makes like, that? Like, yeah, it's fucking assholes. Assholes. Assholes who decide what America is willing you or not willing to tolerate. You just said assholes four times. Yeah, I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a rebel, bro. I think it was four times. But they, uh, they didn't air it. So it didn't air. They didn't air the season. episode at all. No, it had to air in like season two or three. Like whatever season it was, maybe it was season two. I don't remember what season it was. But it, it had to air like the next season or the season later. And like we were told, hey, the penis episode's airing tonight. And we were all like, what? It's still, that never aired. No, I lo- never aired. I love so much that there's something called the penis episode. Yeah. By the way, good bad name. The penis episode? Yeah, it's a good bad name. That would, that would totally yeah. play at the whiskey. Yeah, like a fucking punk band? The yeah, penis the episode? Yeah, the penis episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's part of the patriarchy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, I, I used to call it uh, March of the Penguins because all the suits would come down the hallway and Ugh. try to ruin our art. Uh, 
but the idea that someone goes, well, it says specifically eight times you can say penis. It's so arbitrary. It's totally arbitrary, and there's no rules anywhere. What Just, happens on the ninth time? Like, Beetlejuice comes out? Yeah, Penis dies. juice comes out? <laughs> Satan comes through the floor. There's yeah. a way to, uh, to do art, and it's definitely not by having a bunch of people that have money invested in it, looking around it going, okay, how can we maximize this? How can we make this as sellable as possible? That's just it's the opposite of the kind of mentality that you need to make something good. And if it, just like you were talking about with comedy, where people don't see themselves, if you don't see yourself how other people see you, it's not going to work, and it won't yeah. be funny. Well, that's kind of the same thing with art. If you produce a television show or uh, whatever it is, and people don't enjoy it, well, it won't go anywhere. It'll fall off, and then it's not good anymore. But to have someone come in and say, oh, you got to do this and you got to do that because we know better because we're the ones with the money, that never works. But every time, every time I think that, I remember that According to Jim had over 100 episodes. Over a hundred episodes, but that's there's a there's a style of Jag comedy. Had over a hundred episodes. Ja, I remember Jag. That Jag was on while I was on news radio. And we were always like, "What in the fuck is going on? <laughs> How is that a real show?" If you ever watched that show, nobody watched that show, and the people that did watch that show, it's like they were sedated. It's like it's a hum and under which like subliminal messages were played in the background about like Bush being a great president or something. Like it didn't make any fucking sense. It didn't make any sense that it stayed on the air. Do you watch any of the CSIs or any no! of those or the No yeah, Oh, you know what the one I'm thinking of? Uh, NCIS. No So I <laughs> I saw an episode the other day. I get transfixed with bad television. Like, I never put it on on purpose, but if, like, someone, if I'm, like, in a hotel room or something, I flip it on or whatever it is, like, it takes me a little to just shake it off because I just want to be like, how is this made? How is this possible, you know? And so I was watching it, and I was thinking, like, the comedy in it was so bad. Like, the jokes were so terrible that I almost wondered, you know how they hire people for punch-up? Yeah. Do they hire people for punch-down? Like, do they hire people to be, like, water down these good jokes? Well, that's that Chuck Lorre guy. He knows how to do them. He knows how to do that drone, that that one style of comedy, like Two and a Half Men. Yeah. He did a bunch of those. The white noise machine. He just does those things like, ha, 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 for people that are all just like exhausted from eating carbs and sugar all day, and they're just sitting in the couch just melting, yeah. and then the dumbest fucking humor plays out in front of them, and it's just enough to keep them pay- paying attention so they watch those Toyota commercials. I I was, you know, very often I wonder about, like, how does this get made? How is this? Why does anybody like this, et cetera? And I was at, like, some truck stop in the middle of nowhere just getting gas and getting food. And there's a, the, there's a TV playing. There's, like, a little lunch counter. And there's a TV playing and there's a commercial. And there's this guy running around. It's for blinds. But this guy is running around. He like tries to open his blinds. It kind of has nothing to do with it. And then he runs outside and he gets stung by a bunch, stung by a bunch of bees. And he's like fighting them off. And I'm sitting there thinking like, oh, what the fuck? Who the fuck would do? I can write commercials. Like who would do the? And there's a dude sitting next to me, just going, he's he can't get away from the bees. Like just out loud to no one, to no one. Just be like, there are the bees all over him. The bees are all over him. And I'm just like, this is who it's for. I was at my friend's house once. And uh, her friend and her mom was over, and uh, they were watching, like, some uh, Spider-Man movie, and Spider-Man got bit by a spider, and she just goes, he got bit by a spider. Well, I'll, never, I'll never forget that. Just, <laughs> I just never forget her going, he got bit by a spider. 
Like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> just one of these things of like, do you think out. the rest of us yeah. didn't see that? There's just something about, look, man, I just think, just like you, you can buy a Prius or you could buy uh, a Shelby GT500. You know, one, one has 100 horsepower, one has 500 horsepower. Brains are like that too. They just have to be. There's just no doubt about it. And there's a lot of those little Prius brains out there, man. And if you put on a show for Prius brains, you will attract them like like metal to a magnet. Just they yeah. find it. Those those the Duck Dynasty shows. You ever watch Duck Dynasty? I have thankfully not even seen a clip. You should fucking watch it for sure, just to understand that there's people like that out there that look forward to it. I got the DVR set. You know, I heard what today they're gonna do shoot some ducks. They wanna shoot some ducks. <laughs> there's a duck show. There's a duck and they shoot it. They don't even shoot they hardly shoot ducks. The show is more about like horrible people hanging out doing really boring shit. And then be oh, right like they're, they're they're all down home. They're down home. They're country. Well, well, that's that's why that's why the people who like when the people say like oh you know I I voted for Bush because I can you know he reminded me of me and I was like well then you're a fucking asshole also like you're also they like to think you reminded them of them yeah yeah was your dad a multimillionaire did you grow up in Maine and pretend you're from Texas like what about him yeah what, what about it the fact your dad was your dad in the CIA too well huh? you see you see that with Trump now yeah. where people are like oh he reminds me of me and i'm just like he's the furthest thing from you <laughs> he's the he's the i grew up in new york city and so like i remember i was a kid when it happened but i remember the center park jogger when trump took out four full page ads in different newspapers calling for the death penalty for these black kids who didn't even do it and he was just inciting a riot basically he was just trying to race bait and get attention and like that's the guy i remember yeah. I, I don't relate to that guy yeah, he's a real tough guy to relate to. I don't think people really do relate to him. I think what they relate to is the possibility that he may win, and they like to be on the camp of a winner. So, like a football team that they can get behind, they don't really yeah. give a shit about the players. They just decide, we're going to win. We're fucking winning. We're winning. We're Trump. Trump's winning. But I'm the- Trump. <laughs> I'm winning. But All they- those dickheads. Yeah, they. but they also say the things like, you know, like he speaks like I do. Mm. I'm like, that's... I, I don't want a president who speaks like I do. I'm yeah. a fairly intelligent guy. I, I want my president to be way smarter than me. I would like a really articulate Obama-type guy, but that didn't work out. Yeah, the, uh, the Obama-type guy was like what we were hoping for. Like when when Bush was in office, Obama was like the fucking recipe, man. Yeah, we want a black guy who's super articulate, really intelligent, and we're going to relax everybody with all this race bullshit. Look, clearly it has nothing to do with race. It's about culture and circumstances and where you're growing up. Look at this guy; he's black. He's smarter than all of us. We're good. Look, he's liberal. He's going to fix everything. He's going to relax everybody. He doesn't want Guantanamo Bay. He wants to get us out of Iraq. Whew, we made it through this Bush thing. We didn't. Civilization didn't collapse. And then he's in office, and it's, uh, it's kind of the same shit. He talks better, yeah. but it's kind of the same shit is going on. I think the biggest problem is that he's too reasonable. Like, he's too reasonable, and the people who disagree with him are being completely unreasonable. And you can't just be like, well, let's look at both sides. If one side is being a dick, right? you don't look at both. It's like CNN will do that, where they're like, well, let's present both sides of this argument. Here's one person against pedophilia, so let's talk to someone who's for pedophilia. And it's like, no, <laughs> don't give that guy airtime. Right. Don't ever talk to that guy. Yeah. So so the people who, you know, who want to take rights away and, and who want to convince poor people to vote against their own best interests, like, don't give them equal time, but they do. 
Well, the problem is, is it's you're you're dealing with right and left, and then again, people get really tribal. Yeah, when they're on a team, they get super tribal. Like I, I to- told this before, but it's it, it always struck me as being really bizarre. I was with a buddy of mine who's a writer. And he was talking about the election. He's like, we have to win in Idaho. If we win in Idaho or Iowa, if we win in Iowa, we got it wrapped up. I was like, what is this we? Like, yeah. what is this we shit? He's like, the Democrats. So I'm like, okay, you're on a team, right? You're on a team. You're fucking, this is the Mariners. This is the Mariners <laughs> versus the Raiders. You got, your, you got this weird team mentality. And I think that's entirely one of the things that is real comfortable for people to fall into when it comes to elections. And uh, it's one of the reasons why I think we need like way more parties. At least, at least that way we'll have more teams. Because this one, this two team option is like, if every fucking year it was the Celtics versus the Lakers in the NBA Finals, wouldn't you be tired of that after a while? Well, that's I think how America feels about the election. That's yeah. why the ratings are down. That's why people aren't really paying attention that much. That's why people are so frustrated by the choices. Like you can't you can't have just two choices. Well, I used to be, you know, I'm very politically minded and and active and I used to do a lot of like everybody should go out and vote. And then I talk to more and more people and then I'm just like not everybody. Yeah, well, it would be nice if we didn't have a representative government. Yeah. It would be nice first of all if you didn't have like one like super delegates. What is that? What do you mean you don't have to vote for the people that your state votes for? Super like, delegates what? were basically to keep Jesse Jackson out of office. Like that's really? that's how they started. Really? Yeah, when Jesse Jackson was starting to get some heat and I think it was 1980, uh suddenly there was 80 or 84, I forget, but it was uh, suddenly superdelegates came out. But Good job, superdelegates. <laughs> Kept that fucking demon out of the White House. Not only superdelegates, though, but even the delegates of the Electoral College, they don't have to vote the way their constituents do. In fact, there was a time when one of them, I think it was in Minnesota, accidentally wrote down the name of the vice president in both slots for president and vice president, so his vote didn't count. And that was like 30,000 people that he was representing. Whoa! And just because he was a fucking idiot. <laughs> and, like, you, you can actually, if you're, now, obviously, people wouldn't do it for the most part because you'd think, oh, well, then they'll lose the ability to do it, and that's all the little power they have in their life is to be a delegate at this convention. But the fact of the matter is that, like, New York State can vote 100% for a Democrat, and then the Electoral College can go and just vote for a Republican. It can just, they can do it if they want to. Or vote for a different Democrat. They can write someone in if they want to. It's a ridiculous idea that was conceived back when you, were in, you couldn't communicate with people easily. Yeah. It it's was, that simple. It was the point of it was that, like, you, not everyone was qualified to vote because yeah. you didn't hear things. Yes. And so they would be like, well, here's the representative government. They'll, you know, learn from what their people want, and then they'll take that over there. And it was a wonderful idea. Yeah. And now it's bullshit. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And it's time is gone. I mean, we if we... This is the, a point that I always bring up. If we didn't have a system of government in place, we had all these people, we all just woke up today, who would say we need one person to run it? No one. Who would say that we need one person to be a representative of the state because the people can't tell everybody? No, well, you have email now. We have Twitter. We have Facebook. We have polls. We have, there's ways to find out what people want and people don't want. Representative government in 2016 is like writing with feathers. It's like some old <laughs> stupid shit that we don't need anymore. We should make them write with feathers. We should. Make them wear powdered wigs, too, those fucks. Yeah. Be like, you want this office? Well, it comes with a couple of things. Yeah. I mean, if you want to be like one of those people, you should dress like one of those people that invented it. Then there'd be no Hillary email scandal because it would just be like maybe she wrote on the wrong kind of parchment. 
Yeah, she wrote on actual animal skins. Yeah. And said, we don't do that anymore, Hillary. You're doing old school. She's doing old school with her non-encrypted email, right? Yeah. Have you talked about, I assume you've talked about the gorilla already? Yeah. Yeah, we kind of talked about it a little, did we? I think we did. Yeah, it's fucked up. Yeah. It's fucked up for the zoo. The zoo fucked up. You shouldn't make it so goddamn easy to get in the gorilla tank. Yeah. So on this one, I don't know exactly what happened on this one because I'm I'm trying to kind of block it out. I saw the whole thing. So the the kid kid fell in. Was kid. it was it like a kid falling in where the parent was at fault, or was it a kid doing yes. something they shouldn't have done? Well, the, the kid was doing something it shouldn't have done, but the parents weren't watching the kid. Yeah. Look, the, the zoo made it way too easy to get into the grill enclosure. The, the kid got through the fence, fell down into this water. The gorilla came in, scooped up the kid, arguably saved the kid, Yeah, uh, but was handling it in a way that it could handle a gorilla baby. But a human baby, you just rip the arms off the kid. It could really, it could really hurt it. And I just don't think a gorilla is even aware of how fragile a three-year-old human being is. As opposed to, have you ever had a three-year-old chimp or a three-year-old gorilla near you? Uh, I can't say I've ever had that experience. I was on a TV show. It was on news radio, and uh, they brought in a chimp for a scene. And this two-year-old chimp with diaper on was like I was holding it, and it was it was beating on me. It was like hitting me in the back, like playing around with me. They're unbelievably strong yeah. and sinewy, like a little tiny bodybuilder. Like they don't feel like a baby. Like I have little kids, and when you pick up a little kid, they're all soft and they feel like little kids. They're they're mushy. This this chimp was not mushy, and I think this gorilla probably had no idea how to handle a baby softly, you know, probably yeah. or a toddler. Really didn't, didn't know. And they panicked, and then they shot the gorilla. But it seems to me that there's got to be a better way to do that. But I could see the parents being like, fuck that gorilla. Shoot it. Shoot it. I want my kid back. Yeah, but I could see the gorilla being like, fuck those parents. Yeah, but I like people more than I like gorillas. I do. And I love your joke about team people. Yeah. It's... it's I mean, it's a it's a bit I I enjoy, but there was a there so there's a bit I used to do. There was a story in Chicago like 15 years ago, where a woman was holding her baby over a gorilla pit. Oh yeah, I remember that. Like holding it straight up and then dropped the baby. <sighs> and on that one, the gorilla saved the kid and picked yes. it up and and kept until the zookeeper could give it back to the mother. Yeah. And the joke I used to do is be like, I'm sorry, give it back. Like at that point, a gorilla is a better parent. Yeah. Than the person who, once you voluntarily dangle your baby over a wild animal, it's that's you giving the baby away. Well, we've been made it way too easy for people to survive. People survive with very little <laughs> adversity. Yeah. We, we survive with, e it's easy access to food, easy access to employment. If you get fired, you get to sue. If you're incompetent completely, you can claim that you were harassed at work. There's, there's so many loopholes, and it's so we're so nerfed. Every sharp edge is covered with foam, and everyone's wearing a helmet. The nerfing of America. Yeah, and this is what we've got left. We've got these fucking idiots. We've got a, a, a bunch of really dumb people that are allowed to fuck and have kids. And you can't stop people from having kids. Because then someone could try to stop you. Well, I don't like your belief, Steve Hofstetter. You're a crazy liberal. You think you should. Have, you think you should be able to have a, a, a nation that's not under God, and you're going to raise your children without God? That's child abuse. And then you know, were then, you at my show the other day? No, yeah. could have been. I've been to many shows, but this, you know, this. Just, I just think there, you, 
human beings need a certain amount of adversity. We need yes. a certain amount of difficulty to overcome, to learn those lessons, to filter that experience down into your behavior. And when you don't learn those lessons and you just live this muted, nerfed up world, then you're holding your fucking baby over the gorilla tank because you're getting a little thrill. I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm holding the baby. I love the baby, but I like gorillas too. And whoops. I'm dumb. Yeah. I drop the baby just like you drop your cell phone, just like you drop your keys in a fucking drainage ditch. You're a dummy. You drop shit. You're a stupid fuck. You're not supposed to be alive. You should have been eaten by wolves hundreds of years ago. <laughs> if, if the world was safe, you would have been the one who walked off the trail. I'm going to go find a better way to the castle. And yeah. the wolves would have eaten you and no one would have heard from you. And that's what it's supposed to happen to those kinds of people. It's it supposed is. to happen. Dar Darwin, um, big fan. Big fan. Of Big fan. He had some good ideas. Chris Bowers, is a, I don't know if you know him, he's a comic out of, uh, oh, you've worked Morty's. Yes. So, yes. Uh, In Indianapolis? Yeah. Chris and I are two of the owners. Oh, you guys so, own Morty's? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. What a great club. That's Thank awesome, you. man. It's even better. We have a new location now. Oh, no shit. Yeah. You guys moved? Uh, yeah. We have uh, like balcony and everything now. It's, oh. it's great. It's like a, it looks like a small theater. Oh, that's terrific, man. That was a great club. Yeah, that was a fun one. Everybody loves that place. That's cool, though. I didn't know you owned that place. Yeah. Good yeah. for you, you fucking entrepreneur. Thank you. you. Well, yeah. uh, so Bowers has a great theory where, you know, the, the way to, I guess, prevent the stupid people in the overpopulation is if everyone is basically sterilized and you have to take something in order to be able to be pregnant, <laughs> but the only way you get that pill is you have to take that pill every day. You don't take a pill to stop yourself from being pregnant. You take a pill to get yourself pregnant. So you have to take that pill. Both partners would have to take that pill every day for six months. Hmm. Because if you can't commit to taking a pill every day for six months, you can't raise a kid. Yeah, but it's so easy for people to just do that. That's not, that's not enough of a fucking task. It's a start. It should be like one of those crows have to get a, a crumb out of a tube and they have to use one tool to get the other tool to get the third tool oh, in order to get the food. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it should be. It's too fucking easy to just take a pill. You should have to do a puzzle. Every day they should give you a puzzle and if you fail Increasing the puzzle, difficulty. you don't get a pill. So you get six months of correct answers to puzzles to get your pills. That's the only way you should be able to get your pills. I think that's how Chipotle gave away a free burrito once <laughs> on their, their annual... Their anniversary. If they did it that way for people, the fucking 405 would be a breeze. Yeah. It would be nobody. It would just be a couple people waving at each other. We made it. You we ever watch, uh, you ever watch like period piece television where they like run into people they know? Like, like on Mad Men, they would always like run into people at the restaurant that they would know. Right. And part of me is like, oh, well, that's convenient. And then I'm like, no, no, there are fewer people. There were way yeah. fewer people then. It was, it seems, it seems possible. It's definitely possible. It was possible in the 90s. When I moved here in 1994, there was half as many people. I wonder what the actual statistic was, but I'm pretty sure it was half as many people. Like yeah. when you would get LA on the highway, you'd get on the highway and the traffic would be bad, but it wouldn't be that bad. It would be no big deal. I remember people talking about getting from Santa Monica to the Valley in 10 minutes. What? Exactly. 10 minutes. That's what what, they, what do they drive, a DeLorean? Just drive a regular car. <laughs> just get in your car and drive. And this is back when cars were slow as shit. And the yeah. brakes were terrible. There was no traffic. You just get around. It's only nine miles. No yeah. problem. They just did it. It's the same as, uh, you know, planes. I mean, I've only been flying about 20 years. But 20 years ago, and now that's part of because they do this spoke garbage now where they, you know, you have to fly through Cincinnati to go to Denver or whatever it is. Right. But it's everything's full. Yeah. Every single flight is full. Like the idea... When someone doesn't have a seat next to you, on a, it's a Christmas party. Oh, yeah. 
well, how about when they say we've oversold this flight? We're looking for volunteers. Yeah. Like, what do you you're selling some shit you don't even really have? They absolutely do that. But in fairness, we can do that with comedy clubs too because there's always a percentage of no shows. So there's do we do you do that at Morty's? Uh, we've we've done it, but it's not by a high percentage. It's like because usually our no show percentage will be like ten percent, so we'll oversell by 10%? like five percent. Yeah, because really? people, because so like, if you have a hundred people, ten people won't show up. It depends on the price of the ticket. It depends on the act. Like with with a celebrity, no show percentage is virtually nothing. But with like a typical day, you know, in a, in a typical like uh, we call it a just funny. Mm-hmm. You know, someone who's good, but no one has heard of them. Right. You know, uh, plenty of times someone will be like, oh, yeah, let's get four tickets to the club. And then they only have one friend. Like that happens right. all the time. Babysitter yeah. cancels. That's true. You know, it's too rainy out. Someone doesn't want to go out. There are a ton, tons of reasons. But you can't fuck over the people that actually paid and actually showed up. We've never once. Okay. Not so one time. So how do you do that? You have extra chairs, you can just shove them in places in case everybody shows up? If we have to, but what happens is, on the ticket it very specifically says, like, this is good until showtime. Oh, okay. And so what happens is, even if there's even if the no-show rate is way less than it is, even if there's weird anomaly where the no-show rate is like zero, there's still people who come late. Right. And you can't come late. Yeah, if you come late, like you might get turned away. And we Whoa. tell everyone that. Even if you have a ticket. We tell everyone that. If you come late, uh, you can get turned away. What if you get stuck in traffic? Well, know. you can call. You can call and say, hey, oh. you know, we're on our way and please okay. hold a seat. That seems reasonable. But I'll like, accept that. Think about it this way. Bro- with Broadway, <laughs> I mean, with Broadway, the doors close. Okay, first of all, fuck Broadway. <laughs> fuck all that nonsense. Fuck musicals and fuck plays. Okay, we have movies now. I want special effects. I don't want you talking loud. I, I am want with you, you. I want you mic'd up. I want you to be able to whisper, and I want to hear it crystal clear. And I'm giving you no leeway. I'm giving you no leeway because the costumes are nice. Yes. I want plot. None. I want I writing. Want, I want a fucking... I, I want new shit, too. Yeah. I want some old shit that, that doesn't apply anymore. I'm okay with musicals. I don't... You know, I can just suspend my disbelief and go, okay, everybody's singing fine. Not me. But it's got to be a good song. It's got to further the plot. It can't just be something that they know is going to sell well. Yeah. I went to a musical... Well... I, I should take that back because the Book of Mormon is fucking amazing. Yes. That's a musical. That's what I mean. But those guys are just, they do everything right. They just do everything right. But that's also a, Bobby Lopez who did who Avenue Q. I don't know who that is. I don't know what that is. Do you, you don't know Avenue Q? Nope. So Avenue Q is the other good Broadway show. Impossible. Of the two. Uh, Avenue Q was the one where the they had songs, uh, The Internet is for Porn and Everyone's a Little Bit Racist. Oh, okay. Good, oh, so it's, it's a good comedy. Stuff. Okay. Yeah. As long as it's a comedy. Wasn't it with oh. puppets? Yeah, it was with puppets. It was they like had a Broadway show with puppets? It was like Sesame Street on Broadway. Hey, whatever yeah. happened to the fucking Spider Man Broadway show where people kept falling on their head? Did they abandon that? I think so. uh, it yeah, eventually yeah, Spider Man turned off the dark, eventually turned on the dark. Because <laughs> they were like people were dying, right? Didn't people get paralyzed and shit? Yeah, when people were... fell. So my my uh my wife worked uh at uh, Audience Awards, which is like uh, Frequent Flyer Points for Broadway. Mm-hmm. And so she would go to all these shows. And so she went to Spider-Man like during the previews. And she texted me and she goes, one of the actors has been stuck for an hour. Like just on the rope. Oh my God. And she just said, yeah, he's been stuck for an hour. And I was like, I bet you know how he feels. Like <laughs> it's just, it was terrible. She would go to all these shows and eventually... Like, I wouldn't have to go anymore. Because she took me to uh, American Idiot. Did you ever see that, the Green Day one? No. I'm so, not. I like Green Day. How dare you? I, 
I enjoy that song specifically. I wish Joey Diaz was here right now. He, he would he would murder me. Choking you. Well, I fucking Green Day. I like I like the song American Idiot because it <laughs> caused people who it was about to to enjoy it right. without knowing it was about them. Right. I like the subversity of that. But the musical was it was like what I was thirty seconds in before I was like, Oh fuck this show. It was like watching the best painters in the world try to play football. <laughs> it was horrific. Like, That's a funny way of putting it. Well, I know that I know that like Green Day isn't like real, you know, punk punk, but at the same time, that's the movement it came out of. And it, it's supposed to be anti establishment. And the whole point of the show I mean the, the the Broadwaying of it basically made it like everybody's just jazz hands to fucking Green Day. It was ridiculous. Well it kind of showed what Green Day really is all about. Yeah. Look at this. That yeah. Green Day was it's it's a manufactured outrage. It's I was fake. so Disappointing because afterward I was like I can't believe they lent their name to this and then I looked it up and I go oh no they were in charge. <laughs> it's like that's it that's the end of that's it for it. me. Well that's why everybody yeah. was correct and I think that's one of those things where like peop people look at the look on that guy say is that Jared from Subway like who is that oh uh, no it's Penn Gillette's younger brother doesn't it look like <laughs> it's and and that wasn't it's even a molestation this, joke it how just about the seems... guy on the far right with the two tone hair and the conveniently placed tattoos. I bet he's annoying. Yeah. I bet I bet in his last play he played like a salesman. How about the guy with the flannel shirt? Is that a flannel shirt or a jacket? It's a blazer. It's a flannel blazer. He's the drummer for Green Day. Yeah, oh, that's... Christ. <laughs> yeah. Just, just take that picture off, Jamie. Take it off! Yeah. Yeah, man, there's a lot of that stuff. You know, it's like, it's, it's like what we're talking about. We're talking about suits coming in and telling you what you can and can't say. I mean, they're, yeah. doing, they're being their own suits. They're trying to formulate something that they think America's going to absorb, and then they're thinking about buying yachts. So Avenue Q is a great show, but the most fun part of watching it was watching the old Broadway people thinking that they're super naughty for going to the show. Just like these, like, 60, 70-year-old women who, like, just couldn't believe, like, they said masturbation. Like, just... Oh, God. Yeah, that was kind of... I, I had fun watching people watch it. Well, if I was going to go to Broadway, that would be kind of why I would go. I would go to yeah. people watch the really upper-crust, rich crowd of Manhattanites, the people that have homes in the Hamptons, like, those people that go to all those Broadway shows, and that's their social life. That's what they do. They go to parties, they dress really well, they eat really well, and they go to the finest restaurants in town. They always get a table at the finest restaurants, and here they are. It's like, that's like their hobby is being rich and doing rich people things, and if you want to be cultured, you have to read the New York Times, you have to read the New Yorker, and you have to go to these musicals when they come out, and you have to go to Broadway when it comes out. There's a new play. Are you going to be there? Yes, we are. We have season tickets to the Broadway. Yeah. Whatever the fuck. Do they have season tickets to Broadway? Yeah. They can't. They do. They do? They're like multi-ticket packages. There's, uh, those people have to do everything they can to be cultured except actually talk to human beings. Well, they talk to a few human beings who are exactly like them. Yeah, but you they know? don't talk to anyone who, you know, I mean, they might they might know their gardener's name. Well, there's a bunch of people that are like that, that are just completely locked up in consumption. And that's the only thing that they can discuss. Yeah. I had this, this neighbor, I used to call him Bling Bling, um, because uh, Bling Bling always had like, he, everything was shiny. He always had like expensive watches and he always had like the nicest cars. I couldn't talk to the fucking guy about anything other than like cars and houses you know, like I would say, hey, man, how you doing? And he'd go, good, good, good. See what that guy did to his house? Yeah, looks like shit. 
what year is that car? Like, that's all he would talk about. Yeah. All he was ta- into was consumption, what was good for the property values, uh, where'd you get the watch? Oh, nice, nice watch. Like, that was all he was into, like, acquiring items, moving items around, fixing items, making items better. But this was, he was the American idiot. I mean, he, this, he was locked into that. I mean, I knew this guy for years. I mean, literally, that is why I called him Bling Bling. We never had a conversation about anything other than objects that he wanted or objects that he saw that he liked. I mean, it was really weird. But I think there's a lot of people like that out there, especially really rich people. Yeah. The, uh, when people make this argument about like, oh, well, you know, we, we have to allow the rich to be able to spend their money because it's for the economy. And that's why they shouldn't. You know, we shouldn't have higher taxes on the rich. I'm just like, do you see how they how they spend it? <laughs> do you see the the ridiculousness that that they spent? Like it's the problem with higher taxes on the rich is that like what 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 is what's going on? What is capitalism? Like what is it? Is it a game? Are we trying to? I mean, if one person works harder and they make more money, and one person uh, is more innovative, they're more creative, they figure out a way to extract more money from the system. Should they be penalized? I mean, aren't we all trying to do that? Are we all trying to acquire money in some way, shape, or form? And who is to say that one person, some Bill Gates-type guy, is better at it, so they should be penalized? Like, it seems like you're trying to rig the game because someone is just way fucking better at it. Well, I I think the problem is that it's not... I don't have a problem with the people who are better at it. I have a problem with the people who are the grandson of the person who is better at it. Exactly. Who was just... Just the idea of like, oh, you know, my uh, my father's father's sperm was real innovative. The Heinz account has always had good merit here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. I yeah, inheritance money's uh, that's a tricky one. I, I think it's bad for the people too. They get it. Yeah, I look at the uh, um, I look at the people who there's that quote that I forget where it's from, but that quote that America is a nation of temporarily embarrassed millionaires. That like. Everyone thinks that they're a millionaire. They're just going through hard times right now. Oh, I get it. Yeah. 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 Well, that's one of the reasons why poor people vote for Republicans. Yeah. They really think, well, you need business. You need business. I mean, who is more anti-poor people than Republicans? But how many poor people wind up being conservative? It's like... What I want to say to those people is like, I get, you know, we all want to be millionaires. We all want to be successful. And that's wonderful. And we need a path to get there. And that's fantastic. But tell me this. When you were 55 and you were working at Applebee's, what the fuck is your path? Mm. Where from here to there? You tell me. You tell me what app you're going to invent. You tell me what, you know, you're going to win on American Idol as the old lady. Like, you Mm. tell me, how the fuck are you going to go from the lowest tax bracket to the highest one? When you're already 55 and your dream has gone. But it can happen. See, to say that is kind of silly because we've, there's been a million stories about like someone who writes a book in their 50s and they become rich. I mean, all that stuff has happened. It it's just can. a matter of you, but you have to do it. Whatever it is, you have to do it. If you're actually right. just taking all your time and you're staying at Applebee's and then you're drinking and then you watch the TV and then you're falling asleep and That's you just what keep I mean. that pattern. Yeah. If that person said to me, well, I've been working on this novel for a very long time and I have a lot of faith in it and I've sent it to a lot of publishers and you know what? I've been rejected a lot of times, but I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm going to pound the pavement and I'm going to find it. Maybe I'll self-publish it my, you know, and I'll, and I'll walk around and I'll go to libraries, you know what? And I'll, I'll get my book in libraries. And, and if they said all that, I would be like, you know what? Don't pay taxes. Yes. <laughs> Vote Republican. Yes. But... If they're just like, well, you know, my my brother's got this idea, right? <laughs> my brother's got this idea. Now it it he just needs a little bit of seed money, it's a little bit of seed money. 
It, that that person, I'm just like, I don't understand why you're voting against your own best interest. Well, I don't think they think they are. They think the people are lazy. I work hard. Yeah. These goddamn lazy people, they want that welfare money. They're going to take that welfare and just spend it on the cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. the the uh, I love during during the uh, debt, you know, the recession, the collapse, when everybody was talking about, like, I don't like how the government spends my money. They're like, the government spends money on things they can't afford. I'm like, you just lost your house and your car because you bought something you couldn't afford. Yeah, but they thought they could afford it. They're right. They're just stupid. Like, they, the pro- problem with those goddamn mortgages, man, yeah. that was the craziest Ponzi scheme ever. That you would have someone with an adjustable rate mortgage, and all of a sudden the rate gets jacked up through the roof, and you're paying three times as much. Like, what did I sign up for? And Wait a minute. I was only paying $1,500 a month, and now I'm paying $15,000. There is a great deal of deception and fraud and, and garbage that was done from the banks and from the people in charge. But there was also a great deal of people just didn't want to do their homework. And they just yeah. they heard something too good to be true, and they didn't know the lesson of if it's too good to be true – it's not true. Yeah, definitely. It's the same people who like they'll open up the email. They'll be like, "What? What do you? What do you mean? I got this email where all uh, I I get all this money? I just click on this link right here from this person I never met." Yeah. Like, how do you not know? The first time I saw that, I was like, "This looks wrong." Well, you're a smart guy, Steve. But that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a lot of people. Have, they're dumb. Oh, it's so difficult. <laughs> so lonely at the top of Olympus. Well, one of the things we were talking about earlier about debt and about people with credit card debt that they don't realize it. And if you had money, like cash money, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't be so likely to go into debt with cash. Yeah. Well, I think that's the same thing with the environment. I think the, the environment is almost like credit because we're like throwing garbage out the window and no one's thinking about it. We're just burning fossil fuels and fucking spraying hairspray into the sky. No one's thinking about what that's doing because we don't feel it instantly and immediately. We don't have like a, a, a vault we open up. Shit, I'm out of air. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm running low. We're running low on what? You know, fish left. Yeah. We don't feel it. So we continue to act in the exact same way because we're not really getting the feedback. You know, you watch an inconvenient truth. You go, well, that's kind of fucked up. Oh, got to go to work in the morning. Click, shut it off. Go to bed. Yeah. Beep, beep, beep. Oh, wake up. Keep going. And it, it, that's a pattern that just kept, keeps getting repeated and repeated. And we're not feeling the feedback of the negative actions. I was, uh, I was flying and it was during that crazy winter with the polar vortex stuff where it was like negative two degrees in a lot of places and it got down to like negative 20 in the Midwest. What year was that? Uh, two years ago, I think. Two, three okay. years ago. Yeah, it was, uh, I, I know in, in LA, we're just like, yeah, it got all the way down to 55. It was terrible. And so, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I got woken up by the bells of the ice cream truck. It was really a difficult winter, but the, <sighs> um, but so I'm, I'm flying somewhere and there's this guy, you know, going through, uh, in front of me at TSA and, you know, he's taking off his coat and all that stuff. And, TSA got a cold outside, isn't it? In one of these small airports where they all went to high school together. And, uh, and the guy goes, so much for global warming. <laughs> and I, I need to leave well enough alone. I need to learn how to do that. But I was just like, I was like, ah, actually, you know, global warming also makes it colder in the winter. Oh, look, the Jews and got he, an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> he knew right away. And, uh, yeah, he just immediately, he was, he just, what he, his reaction actually was one of my favorite things anyone's ever said. He just goes, that's what they want you to believe. Oh. Like they do, because they're scientists, and they want you to believe them. Well, Sam Harris was talking about this yesterday, that Trump is a global warming denier. Yeah. A global warming denier is really close to being the president of the United States. He is not only is he a global warming denier, but the good news is, 
if he felt he would make money off of it, he would believe in global warming. Oh, yeah. For so, sure. There's no platform he, he can't just, believe in. wonder what the thought process behind that is. Just plow straight ahead and just do whatever's good for you and don't give a fuck? Or is there like... It's narcissism. Scientists will figure it out. Yeah, for sure, right? That's really what it is. Answer my own question. I I think it's. I think it's a. Yeah, it's what you were saying. The idea of like plowing ahead and not knowing. Like, I have this thing where it bothers me when someone's unhappy. Like when I can see unhappiness, whether like someone's mad at me about something I did, or just someone's sad. Like immediately, I'm like, I have to fix this. You know, like I and I don't know what that's from. I don't know how I got that way. And I try to get over it to a degree. I, I like being compassionate, but I also don't want it to, like, totally ruin me. And I think that there are people who are wired in completely the other direction, who they can walk by someone bleeding to death and just be like, ugh, the sidewalk used to be so much nicer. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's probably, like, the type of person that you don't want in office. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's the exact right? type of person you don't but want in you, office. But you also don't want the type of person in office that's constantly worried about people being sad, because then you'll never get anything done. Because yeah. there's 300 million people, and at least 30 million of them are sad as fuck. Yeah. Right? At least. I can look at statistics being sad all day, with no problem. Oh, statistics don't fuck with you. It's actual humans. It's it's the interaction with humans. What about puppies and it's kittens the, and shit? I'm a big dog rescue guy. Oh, me too. So I, I can't actually go to the fucking. I can't go. I'll take them all, dude. On this past on this past <sighs> tour, I did in ten days. In ten days, I stopped and got four strays. I didn't keep them, but I like helped rescue four in ten days, just driving around. You found them on the street. Four strays in ten days. How do you know they were actually strays? How do you know people don't just like let their dogs out and the dogs come back? I used to have a dog like that. Well, one <laughs> one of them was if if it hadn't come back, I mean, if it was let out, it had been a couple days. Like it was like matted oh, up and everything. Right. Um, one of them was actually someone who, like, was someone who just keeps their door open, mm-hmm. and then their dog was just playing in traffic. And but thankfully, it and he comes out and he goes, oh, "I've been looking for him," and I just go, "Where?" <sighs> All around Where the bathroom, yeah. taking a shit. Where's the dog? Uh, the third one was one who was, I don't think she's ever been owned. It was just on the streets of Louisville oh. and just walking around near the airport. And then the fourth one was actually one where this was the one that made me the most upset because leash and collar right outside of a dog grooming place. So I'm like, oh shit, one got out. And so this is in Phoenix and I'm running around. It's 95 degree heat and this dog is fast. And I'm like running around trying to chase it. And finally, there's like this alcove in the shopping center where it goes in the alcove. And I'm like, great, it'll be cornered. I'll finally be able to get it. And so I go in there and there's like a woman with a stroller. And I go, hey, do you see a stray dog run by here? And then I see the dog in the corner. And I go, oh, it's right there. And she goes, that's my dog. I go, that's your dog. I've been chasing it for 20 minutes through a parking lot. It almost got hit by three different cars. And she goes, oh, did it? I'm like, yeah, that's what happens when dogs run around parking lots. When people have strollers, they don't give a fuck about their dog. They're yeah. like, I'm concern- concerned with this little baby. This yeah. dog can go fuck itself. I just think, like, how hard is it to take that leash and just tie it to the bench that you're sitting on? It's hard for some people. Just like it's hard to not hold the baby over the grill enclosure. Yeah. It's very difficult. <laughs> Something that the compels you. is real. The yeah. struggle is real. <laughs> It'd be like, I'm, you know, I really, I really don't want to let this dog go. One of my favorite dogs ever, I got a call from these people that I knew. <clears throat> they were uh, dog watchers, and uh, they found a dog in their neighborhood. They knew that I had dogs, and they knew I loved dogs, and this dog had mange. She had mange all over her body. She was oh. really sick. 
and they were like, we don't even know if if she's going to be able to make it. Like she's yeah. like she's so fuck like open scabs because of it. She was so beat up. It was so sad. And so they had washed her up and they had fed her, and she was a really sweet dog. And I'm like, look, I I'll take a chance. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Within like a week, her mange had grown back. It was crazy. She just needed yeah. food. She just needed to be cleaned and needed food. Within a week, almost all of her hair was like, it wasn't fully grown. It was all growing back. And she turned out to be the greatest dog of all time. But I can't go around those dogs. I'll have a fucking house full of dogs. Yeah. I'll have a hundred dogs. The one I have now, I did not plan on having him. I saw him in a shelter and he was just the cutest thing. And, and I, I fostered him and two days in. Like we were, t- someone like messaged me because I made like an Instagram account for him so that like maybe we get popular and people someone would adopt him. Yeah. And then someone messaged me, and immediately I get the message, and I was thinking like, don't you take my dog? <laughs> like it was <laughs> already it was mine. So he's he's a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, which is basically like a like it a mini pit. like a pit bull. Yeah, it's like a I call it a pit bull face on a pig's body. It's like right. he's adorable, and he like what's crazy is so that breed if you were to buy one they're $2,500 and that's one without training without anything like and he was just sitting in a shelter and so anytime someone's like oh well you know I gotta go to a shelter because I need a really specific or or, sorry I gotta go to a breeder because I need a really specific dog I'm just like but they're out there yeah there's you can find anything you want every single kind of dog is out there in a shelter he's my mascot now I take him with me to comedy clubs and everything really yeah because he doesn't bark at all I've heard him bark maybe like 10 times oh that's awesome and so I just he hangs out in the green room uh, he like he'll find like whatever comic like left like a box of like merch like sometimes someone will like ship merch or something he'll just find like the box of shirts and just like use it as a bed <laughs> he's great <laughs> he's smart he knows they're useless yeah <laughs> yeah man um, shelters are tough it's tough it's tough to go there it's tough to see that it's just the, uh, the people are so irresponsible they're so irresponsible with pets they get them we can't have this dog this dog shit in the house like you got to teach him to not shit in the house next yeah. thing you know they just give him up and leave him in a cage and out of sight out of mind go on with their life what disturbed me is when i found out how many animals PETA kills every year oh i got into it with the PETA uh, spokesperson on twitter did you oh i fucked her up good i was pretty happy with what that was one. it about um so she followed me on twitter and i just write back and i go hey i'm i'm so honored for the follow since you're the PETA spokesperson um could you let me know why PETA has a 90 percent kill rate and so she starts doing, you know, the standard PR thing of like, well, you know, people bring dogs to us that, you know, don't really have much of a chance elsewhere. And so, you know, we're kind of a last resort. And I go, oh, well, uh, that's actually not true because I know of shelters that are like that and their kill rate is one tenth of yours. So if you could explain. And I just kept hammering her about it and hammering her about it and hammering Politely. Um, calmly. Mm. I wasn't like, shut up, bitch, because like, right. that gets you nowhere. Right. You know, I was just trying to outwit her, and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And eventually then she's like, look, I don't speak for PETA. And I was like, well, in your bio, on your Twitter, it says head of communications. <laughs> so uh, you do, and now you're speaking to me. Is it a resource issue? Does PETA just not have the money to take care of them? It's actually a Batman issue. Um, you know how, like, Rachel hmm. Ghoul Pause. Yeah. <laughs> you know you know how how the idea of like in uh in the first Christian Bale Batman uh Rachel Ghoul was kind of like Who's that? Okay, so the the bad guy in Batman they were like we need to save the city by destroying it. Right. Like the humans are destroying themselves, so we're going to wipe this out and and so that'll prevent the problem. And that's what it is. PETA is basically like there's a problem with 
like we love these dogs and so to stop them from overbreeding we're just going to murder a lot of them like that's where they go with it well the, the head of PETA, when you get to the top crazy person it's well it's am the, i going to be murdered for saying no, this no you shouldn't be if they do they're rude <laughs> animal liberation organization the, yeah. the, and the real the at the very head of a lot of these really radical animal rights movements and by the way i love animals right? so yeah i get it i get the wanting pets to be taken care of but they don't want pets to be taken care of they don't want pets yeah they think animals should be free all animals should be free all livestock all pets None of that should be real. All they, animals should just exist in some sort of a wild state. They also, uh, she's gone on the record many, many times talking about how, you know, pitbulls should be eradicated. Yeah. And, you know, and, and like things like that and the P- idea pitbulls of... Pitbulls are, they are dangerous. I've had them. They just are. You know, they're, they've thousands of years of breeding to fight each other. And if you're an irresponsible dog owner, pitbulls can be fucking dangerous. Yeah, but at the same time, they say that about... My dog, about my staffy. Yeah, but Staffordshire's terrors, that's ignorance. They're not the same breed. See, there's a genetic According to law, they are. Yeah, but that's not... It's not right. Yeah. The the law is incorrect. There's just some stuff written down on paper. When you deal with the actual genetic lines of the dog... I've had dogs that were... They were... Their line was from fighting dogs. And they were impossible. You couldn't take them to the dog park. Couldn't take them... It didn't matter how much I trained them. Didn't much how, how matter how much I was with them all the time. When dogs would bow up around them, he would get aggressive and he'd want to fight. Well, and, I, I agree with you on a lot of things. But this is this is one where where I have a completely different line. Because, like, I have a dog who is Chihuahua Basset Hound. And I can't bring her near other dogs. But that's an exception to the rule. Pit bulls are kind of the rule. The problem with pit bulls is if you get, it's a very dangerous dog. They're super powerful. They're really aggressive, and they don't they don't respond to pain the way a lot of other dogs do because it's been bred out of them. Like if you follow the way they breed dogs for fighting, when dogs fight, if they back away, if they cower, they were killed. That was the whole Michael Vick thing. Yeah, is that they had killed all these dogs that quit in fights. So when you have all of that reinforcement genetically and you're dealing with a breed that's been raised like this for hundreds and hundreds of generations you're dealing with an incredibly aggressive draw dog with a really high kill drive and when these dogs with high prey drives are given to irresponsible people that's when you're getting all babies getting killed little kids getting killed dogs getting killed i mean it, 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 it is, is breed specific, but I mean that's also the same train of thought that people, you know, I, I, if you can put on a powdered wig and say that about quote unquote the Negro. No, you couldn't. I no, mean that no, was no, the no, same no, no. because they weren't bred for fighting and killing. If you bred a bunch of people just for fighting and killing, yeah, you can make that distinction. But pit bulls were bred for fighting. I mean that's the, that's what they were bred for. That's why they looked that way. I mean, this is a, a thing that's been that's done. That's recent, though. They used to be... Hundreds and hundreds of generations. It's not that recent. No, I mean, they used to be... You know, P- the Pitbull was America's sweetheart. Yes, the, it was. You know, During the World PD, War One. Yeah, the, yeah. P- you know, Petey from the Little mm-hmm. Rascals had yeah. the Pitbull. You know, whatever it was. But the... It was almost America's mascot, by the way. Yeah. Before the Eagle. Yeah. The... I, and I think the problem is also is that if a dog looks like a Pitbull... Because Pitbull actually isn't even a breed. It's... Right. Uh, what is it? American something terrier. 
um, is the actual breed that people mm-hmm. are talking about. Well, it was an American Bulldog mixed with a Terrier. Yeah. Terriers are more aggressive. And then they made the new breed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then, th- but if you get a bloodline from one that is a fighting dog, and this is not someone, I love pit bulls. I have friends that have pit bulls. I yeah. love them. They're the sweetest, most friendly dog. But if handled correctly, they still have a problem being aggressive with other dogs. They, a lot of them do. Yeah. And they're really powerful dogs, and in the hands of the wrong people. It's, we're not talking about labs, okay? Yeah. When you have a lab, labs are like universally loving and nice. You can get the exception to the rule. You get a bad lab. But overall, Labrador retrievers are really friendly, easygoing dogs. So when someone has a lab, you go, oh, he's got a lab. When someone has a pit bull, there's a fucking reason why people go, oh, great, he's got a pit bull. Yeah. Because a lot of them are fucking crazy. A lot. Well, there, and I, I think it, I think it boils down to who is handling the dog and the idea of if you, I like, I hate when someone is like, I'm thinking of getting a pit bull. It's like, well, either you need to know everything about it mm-hmm. and you get one or you don't. Well, you have to have a yard that can contain that dog for sure. Yeah. You have to be on top of it when it comes to training it. You have to really be aware. You have to read books on it. You should probably uh, seek help with a professional, the yeah. d- a behavioral specialist with dogs. But even then, if some dog threatens your dog or growls around your dog, it's likely that your dog's going to clamp a hold of its neck. And that well, dog's going to get fucked up. But that's also why I'm a huge proponent of leash laws. I think, by the way, if L.A. Fuck these parking tickets. Leash laws. Like, you, in, you enforce leash laws, and we will, we will have more money than any city in the world. Right. Yeah. Well, I guess. I mean, how many people really walk around with their dog without a leash? Is that really pr- a problem? I, I couldn't. I, I don't know if I've ever walked my dog without running into someone who had an off-leash dog. Yeah, that's irresponsible, unless you're on a trail or something like that. I had, But even then, I had, uh, so I was walking my dogs on this trail on a leash park in, uh, I think it was Fryman, and uh, these two huge dogs come bounding at us. Right. And now look, maybe they're playful. One of mine's not. One of mine is a fucking terror when it comes to other dogs. And so immediately we pick them up, and this lady starts lecturing us about how you're not socializing your dogs correctly, and they'll never learn. And I was like, well, if you want my dog to bite your dog, I can put her back down if you'd like. But, like, that's why... They'll never learn. Yeah. People who, whose lives are a mess always love correcting people. Yeah. I you call, need to get your shit together. I call it uh, incorrecting. Incorrecting. And it's like, thanks for incorrecting me. Yeah, you need to socialize your dog. Well, first of all, if it's a little dog that you can pick up and big dogs are running around, eh, you probably should pick them up. Yeah. Dogs like to bite little dogs. They, they do it all the time. Yeah, this dog looks like a rabbit. <laughs> yeah. Especially if it's the wrong kind of dog, you know, like huskies. Huskies are Akitas, you know, like real aggressive dogs. There are so many people. There was one in my, uh, in my old neighborhood. We're walking our dogs, and all of a sudden, this dog comes charging at us. And it was like a little dog. And so, you know, we pick our, our dogs and uh, my wife yells, leash your damn dog. And the guy goes, this is a public space. And I go, yeah, that's why you leash your dog. But where was this? Just uh, this little lawn of an apartment complex. Oh, yeah. Like just a, just a place where people walk their dogs all the time. Do you, do you believe in leashing your dogs on trails and stuff too? Like when you're in parks? And- uh, I mean, if it is a non-leash place then that's fine. If it's a leash place, the problem is, is that if someone's dog is leashed and someone's dog isn't leashed, that's a bad way for them to meet. Right. Because one dog feels trapped and Right. Confined. So it's a bad expectation. So if yeah. I know that there are going to be non-leashed dogs there, I'm fine because I know and I'm prepared and I'm ready, you know, and the, and the dog is prepared and et cetera. But if like all of a sudden a dog just comes out of the woods, like that's not, yeah. that's not safe. Yeah, that's true. They're not robots. Right. You know? 
they're yeah. they're not. Well, there's so much variety in the way dogs behave and the way dogs treat other dogs and other people. It's yeah. just it's always a you know, like what's this dog like? Here comes a dog. What are we dealing with? Yeah, and exactly. Really don't like know. I, yeah, I have no idea. And I know that like even when I stop for them on the road, I know that's dangerous to do because you have no idea yeah. if that dog is going to like try to bite you. But I've been bit. I haven't. Really? Um yeah, I keep a I keep a slope lead in the car. Um, you constantly keep a, a I just have a slip lead in my trunk. Wow. I've seen so many of them and I can't tell you how many times where I'm like, oh, I wish I had something to put and, around this dog. And when you capture them, then when you put them in your car, what do you do? You just bring them right to a shelter? Or? Uh, well, so far I actually have not had that happen. Usually it is either like one time there was someone else there that happened to work for rescue that also stopped. Uh, you know, one time there was a, like a pet store right nearby. So I kind of like brought the dog into the pet store and like they were able to hold him while, uh, while, you know, the owner came. Huh. So I actually haven't, but, oh no, you know, the one time, yeah, I brought a, I brought a dog to, in Louisville, I brought a dog to a shelter. Uh, the one that, uh, this past week where like I, you know, put her in the car and then I had to be super careful and like disinfect everything. Cause you never know what oh, the dog yeah. has and I have a dog. And so yeah, I just right? basically, I had my buddy who, cause I had my dog with me when I saw the other dog. So I had my buddy, uh, we were like half a mile from the hotel, so he just walked back to the hotel with my dog, and then I just, you know, drove the other dog to the shelter. And this, I mean, then you just hope someone adopts it. You just put it on social media, and you hope. Yeah, if you pick up a dog that has fleas, and the fleas get in the carpet of your car. Yeah. Oh. Well, but, but that's the thing. I've given up on flea prevention. Really? Like, it's something where I give my dogs the medicine for it, but, like, California has such a fucking flea problem that there's nothing you can do. Like, after a certain amount, like, every, every dog here has fleas. Really? Yeah, it's it's some some react to it worse than others. My dogs don't have fleas. But there's look, you live in a special place. <laughs> <laughs> but you live in a magical cloud above Los Angeles. A magical cloud of yeah. fleeless dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, the the Peter killing thing is um, they it, it always fucks with me. It's amazing to me that people will justify it. Also, there's video of them going to a porch. And like leading someone's dog off their porch, yeah, and taking it and killing it within a couple hours. Yeah, and why do they do that? Why do they lead it off the porch? Again, they want to eradicate it. They just don't it's want Batman. pets. They just don't want pets. Yeah, so they think it's better to kill the pet than allow the pet to be with the person that they love and to to lead a life of slavery. So bizarre. Just that kind of radical thinking, but that's just the case with everything, right? I mean, you have your reasonable people, and then you have your people that take that to the utmost and take it yeah. to the furthest, furthest point of rational thinking, to the point where you're like, you're killing all the dogs you capture? One of my favorite things that I've seen was uh, John Stewart showed a video of people merging to the, I think it was like the Holland Tunnel or the Lincoln Tunnel or something. And it was like one car, one car, one car, one car, one, like you're supposed to do with merge. And every mm -hmm. now and then, someone would drive up on the shoulder and go around all of them mm -hmm. and just be like, fuck everybody but me, you know? Yeah. And that is who creates terrible policy. That is who shouts from the rooftops about that. Like, that is who most of us will just drive one car, one car yeah. and understand that that's what you do because that's what you want to have but done to you. There's always that one guy that's late for work every day. Yeah. He's like, fuck. I saw a guy do that the other day. He um, he hit the breakdown lane uh, near a light. A light was about to turn green, and he got into the, the side lane where people park and just gunned it through the intersection. Yeah. Almost plowed into people, and then you see him speeding up ahead because he was probably late for work. It was early in the morning. You know, there's so many people that every day they barely make it to work on time, and it's, it, it's like this adrenaline rush they're addicted yeah. to. They don't even realize it. 
You're supposed to leave at 7.10, but meanwhile, it's 7.15, it's 7.20. Fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah. And they run out the door, and it's, that's the race. That's, the, that's where they're getting their charge. They're not getting chased by saber-toothed tigers, but they are getting their adrenaline fix. Because that's uh, the danger. Another thing that, uh, uh, that another Chris Bowers story, uh, another comic was asking him about, because he drives around to gigs all the time, and someone asked him about, like, because he said, oh, yeah, I never speed. And he's like, what do, you, what do you mean you never speed? How do you get there? And he's like, well, I'm in my 40s now, so I wake up 15 minutes earlier. <laughs> and then I still get there. Because that's all it is. Like, yeah. at the same time, it's, it's hard not to speed. Because when you're, like, when you have these straightaways, when there are no cars near you, and it's like, why the fuck is the speed limit 60 here? Are you kidding me? I can right. go 100 safely, easy. But at the same time, the idea of, like, well, I just, what are you going to save? Unless you're doing like a 10-hour drive, you're not saving anything significant. Right, but then there's the idea of the man telling you how fast you can go. Yeah. Fuck him, man. Well, I think you should be able to to unlock levels like on your driver's license. That's a good idea. Like I could I could get a 75-mile-an-hour speed limit. I'm, I could easily drive at 75 with no problem. Right, if you're like a race car driver. If you know how to really drive and you're super responsible with your choices of lane changing and things along those yeah. lines. Yeah. You should be able sure. to drive faster. The problem is, how do you enforce it? You have to pull the person over, and then maybe you get a sticker on your car, something. Right. That's you know? good. Yeah. I'd even drive an ugly car. Like, I would drive, like, I'd, give me a purple fender. You know, give me, give me something ridiculous that the cops can easily see, then go, okay, that's a 75-mile-an-hour guy. And if you text in your car, if you text while you're driving, while you're actually moving, I mean, how many times have I looked over and I saw this car acting weird, and they're texting? Yeah. You, should just, you should lose your license for a week. Here's the better question. Uh, fuck. When do we pee on this show? Oh, you have to pee? Go yeah. ahead. Go pee now. All right, cool. We're going to wrap this up soon anyway. i got to boogie soon. All right, I'll pee quick. Go ahead. Go pee. Steve Hofstetter, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to see that video, you can find it on his uh, YouTube channel. Actually, if you just look up Steve Hofstetter destroys a heckler, you'll find it. Easy to find, but he's... Uh, he's got a couple multi-million view heckler videos. Wow. Maybe it's him. Maybe he baits these people. We don't need to watch them, That's but okay, yeah. he's probably baiting these motherfuckers. Good dude, though, but crazy traveling around with fucking leashes. Yeah. Kidnapping dogs and yelling at PETA people. Young motherfucker. happened to me one time when I was walking around Runyon. Uh, I was just, I had my headphones on. A dog just came running up behind me. Yeah. It's just, it scared me. And oh, I yeah. didn't, like, whatever, just a dog. And then I kind of like, get away, dog, get away. Shoo, shoo, kind of thing. And I knew there was a girl behind me. But it came back like five minutes later and was jumping at me and barking. And then I was like, get the f- Get I, your I fucking dog. Pissed, yeah. you know what I mean. It was like she was taking her dog and picking up and getting mad at me because I got mad at the dog. But well, like, the, people get mad that you don't know their dog is cool. Yeah. Like, how do I know your dog could be a fucking maniac, crazy bitch? I don't even I'm, know her. I'm talking to her know, like she's I'm, really I mean, here. Like, what, but what do I do if it, I kick it and I'm an asshole yeah. now because your dog's gonna bite me? I gotta take a bite. Well, that's also the problem with running with headphones on. But running with headphones on is so much more inspirational than running without headphones on. Yeah. Uh, I just found out too. There's a cool thing on Spotify. You can have it set to your uh, your your pace, your your beats per minute, and yeah. it'll play like a symphonic movie, like action theme song stuff. So you really, like, like you're running. You're the a, best. Sort of like that. It'll play that kind of stuff. Nothing's but. gonna <laughs> ever keep you down. We're talking about uh, running with headphones on. A dog came up to him, barking at him, and you know that that is uh, disturbing. It'll, it yeah. happens. Yeah, it can. If you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, and you know, obviously people do get bit. You know, fucking German shepherds, man. Those little fuckers. My dog got bit by a German, sh- my g- g- daughter, rather, got bit by a German Shepherd recently. 
these people have this dog, and I'm like, uh, this is not a regular dog. You can't just have this fucking dog in your yard. You need yeah. to teach this dog. And they're like, oh, well, she's a little rambunctious. And it's like, I go, no, this is a working dog. This is a working dog. Do you understand? Like, this is a really smart dog. It's going to figure out a way out of your yard. And when kids are fucking with it, it's going to bite them. Yeah. It's just what's going to happen unless you teach it. Like, you have to take this thing now when it's eight months old, and you've got to really train it because it's already fucking 70 pounds. It's already a big-ass dog. Like, you're gonna, you have a responsibility when you have a dog like this. This is not, this is not like uh, a bulldog that will just sit there and is happy to just drink water and chill out. This is a super active, really aggressive dog. Yeah, it needs to think. It needs yeah. to, and you need to give it puzzles. Yeah, maybe I mean, you can get is, the, you can get the, the birth control pill. This is a, sort of the same thing along the same lines we were talking about with pit bulls. Like these animals are bred for a very specific activity. In order to discourage that activity, boy, you're going to have to fucking throw a lot of tennis balls. You're going to have to get this dog a lot of exercise. You're going to have to give this dog a lot of a lot of activity, a lot of stuff that they can occupy their mind with. It's know? like humans being bred for office jobs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's, dude, you just fucking nailed it. Steve Hofstadter, we got to wrap this up. I got to get out of here. But uh, um, if I knew that, I would have held I would have held the pee for a little longer. No deal, dude. This is a casual show. Yeah. But um so uh where can people see you? Where can they see you live? Where can they find your Twitter is Steve Hofstetter. Yeah. H O F F S T No, one F. No, one so, F. Motherfucker. H O F S T E T T E R. Okay, sorry. Uh that's okay. It happens all the time. Um my YouTube is uh just YouTube the Hofstetter, but you could also just Google it. Um, and I do, I have a podcast called Major League Podcast, which is where I interview baseball players. Oh, you're a baseball fan. Yeah, huge baseball oh, fan. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm doing a thing now where I'm throwing out first pitches. It was like a thing. Oh, nice. It's like my favorite Beautiful. thing to do. Well, listen, man, you're funny, funny dude. I Thank love you. the Heckler video. It's awesome. I love that it's blown up for you and you're getting all this attention and all this cool shit's happening for you. You're a part of that, man. And, uh, you know, you tweeting out, life has changed for me from six weeks ago. <laughs> it's crazy. It's awesome. I yeah. love it. I love it. Congratulations. Thank and, you. And more success to you, sir. Thanks for having me on. All right. My pleasure. My pleasure. All right. Well, that's it for the week, you fucks. So uh, we'll see you soon. We'll be back next week and uh, much love to all. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the podcast. And uh, thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to Caveman Coffee for getting us through this. CavemanCoffeeCO.com. Go check it out. Thanks to Drive with Uber. Go to DriveWithUber.com. That's DriveWithUber.com. Thanks also to Ruby Receptionist. Go to CallRuby.com forward slash Rogan to get free activation. A $90 value. That's callruby.com forward slash Rogan. And thanks each and every episode to On It. Go to O-N-N-I-T. Use the code word Rogan and save 10% off any and all supplements. <sighs> That's it. We're done. We're done for today. All right, you fuckers. That's it. Thank you so much. Thanks, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for all the love. Hope you enjoy the show, and um, that's it. We'll be back soon. Much love. Bye-bye. Big kiss.